0: Good morning, I'm Mark Dishark. In Game 4 of their first round NHL Playoff Series, the Blue Jackets got off to a great start as Oliver Bjorkstrand scored early in the first period against Tampa Bay. But the Lightning asked for a review, and sure enough, Alexander Texio was offsides before the goal, so it was taken off the board. That turned out to be very painful because Columbus lost by a goal 2-1. to one. Tampa leads the series three games to one game. Five is tomorrow at noon here on The Fan. The Columbus crew announced that they have acquired midfielder Fatai Alache from FC Cincinnati in exchange for a second-round pick in next year's MLS Super Draft. The 26-year-old Alache has played 6 seasons in the league. He played his college soccer at Michigan State. The Browns conducted their first practice this season in full pads. Due to injury, Miles Garrett, Jarvis Landry and JC Treader didn't practice, and then Browns running back Nick Chubb had to leave practice to be evaluated for a possible concussion. Breaking sports news on the fan. <laughs>
2: and shine sleepyhead the birds are chirping the coffee's brewing best of all it's time to attack and dominate this is morning juice with brandon beam bobby carpenter and anthony schlegel
3: and here we go on a tuesday attacking and dominating the airwaves brandon beam bobby carpenter and anthony schlegel boys what's going on
4: happy tuesday Ah, uh, you know what beam it's it's all right. It's a Tuesday. I wouldn't define it as so much of a happy Tuesday in Columbus, Ohio, but it's a Tuesday nonetheless.
3: I mean, it really is. It's okay. Tuesday, I've always felt, schlags. it's a day, and I know this isn't a real thing for you because every single day you're just getting after it, but I always felt of any day of the week, like Monday is fine, you know, especially in the line of work that they're what, that we're in, we can just go in, talk about the weekend, whatever happened, all the big stuff. Tuesday was always a day that had no feel to me.
1: Ah, that's it, man. <laughs> hey, all I know is this: Tuesday, just another day to have a, a another day to have an opportunity to go attack and dominate, right? So, you know, today, like what Bob was talking about, coming off the CBJ deal, like yeah, I'm not really feeling it. But then, guess what? I wake up, drink some coffee, have a monster. You know, maybe smoke a pack of parliaments, right? <laughs> Take a dump, and boom! Now we're rolling.
3: That's how you go. gotta think
1: about it, man. A lot of juice. Let's go. It's just a great, it's a great day to be alive. Columbus, I mean, Ohio. I,
3: I love that that's your morning routine, too. I, every single day, right now. <laughs> not in the room. parliament, it's not no. the parliament. <laughs> every single day, you're gonna hear the monster crack. That's two in a row. We've done two shows. I absolutely cannot wait for it. Boys, what did you watch last night? Obviously, we have the Jackets game at three o'clock yesterday. Other than that, what did you get into yesterday?
4: Oh, goodness. I, uh, Dipped into a little bit of the Mavs, uh, Clippers game. Obviously I was going late, so I, I cut that off at about 10. That was the new, probably the newest, earliest I've fallen asleep in, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, month and a half. We were gonna try to do movie night last night, cause my son, they're starting school on Wednesday. And so this was kind of was kind of the last night. Unfortunately, our cable box had been having issues. Oh no! And so the router, I guess. And so we got a new router came in yesterday, supposed to solve everything. Did not. <laughs> I guess there was we got a couple little more like wireless boosters to get the Wi-Fi to the basement. Couldn't get the movie fired up. And unfortunately, yes, yeah, so we had to take an L on that. Kids not very excited. Dad less excited. Uh, fairly angry, so I just kind of retreated, watched some of the game, and then slowly drifted off into a slumber, Like already like pseudo in a bad mood just because of the Jackets
3: loss. I mean, Schlegs can tell you all about his internet problems, so if you need a pro to fix that, Bob, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you can go to Anthony. I'm amazing.
1: Set. I'm so good at technology. No, I can't. I absolutely stick at it. We got this Orbi router, and again, there's like a modem, and then there's like a router, and then you got to have satellites because for some reason, like, the signal only goes 10 feet. You know, I totally get it, Bob. And everybody's complaining about, oh, I can't get on my Xbox or my, or they don't have Xbox anymore, PlayStation, right? It's like, I can't get on those things, so you got to beef it up. Daggum thing on my phone says it's not connected. i got to have an app to use the Internet. It's absolutely crazy. But I will say this. Last night I got into... uh you know, we watched a little bit of baseball. We're Texas Ranger fans here because I'm from Texas. So we like to, you know, root for them. And I got to see Port Zena get ejected uh, early this morning, right? Because watching the recap of that game from the Mavs, because that was absolutely soft. You're going to get ejected. I want two really hard technicals. You know what I mean? None of the soft stuff. But then last night we went out, practiced some baseball, practiced some volleyball and called it a night. Let's go.
3: That's fantastic. Yeah, Meredith and I, we, uh, we got into Bloodline. We hadn't, we, we, so we watched Ozark a couple of weeks ago. We were looking What's for Bloodline? a new show. So Bloodline, it's show. It's, I don't know. I'm only two episodes into it. It's Kyle Chandler. It's the guy from Friday Night Lights, the TV series. So already it's fantastic. Love him as an actor. So we just, we settled into that. We're two episodes in and I can already tell it's going to be pure pandemonium. It's about, it's set down in the Florida Keys and there's a family reunion going on. One brother drives down from Miami. You can tell that He's got issues. The you know Kyle Chandler's a sheriff of the town, so I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm excited about it, but it takes a while to settle into a new show. So we finally decided on one. We're going to go with that. It's fantastic. But Bob, August 18th. I know this is something that you wanted to bring to the show. August 18th, day in history. What has happened? Who's got birthdays today? I mean, let's just set the table for for today, August 18th.
4: Oh yeah, you know, I had a bunch of stuff prepared yesterday and we didn't have, we had so much stuff going on, obviously, with the Big Ten and Ohio State and then the jet preview and a little bit of the Jackets game and then looking back on the past game. So we didn't get into it. August 17th, obviously, uh, what I'm trying to tell you is much bigger day in the world of history than August 18th. Uh, so I was looking through some of the, the important things, some of the big notable stuff that happened. I mean, there there's passages of the 19th amendment, obviously huge a long time ago, looking for some famous birthdays, not a whole lot in the world of sports. However, there is a fame, uh, terrific birthday here of a fantastic gentleman who was born in 19, I believe, 50, what year was that? 1952, I want to say. And unfortunately now he is already deceased, taken from us way too soon. And that is the star of Roadhouse, Mr. Patrick Swayze, star oh. of Ghost as well. So unfortunately, was born today, passed away in 2009, died way too early, obviously, but he was born today, August eighteenth, nineteen fifty two, and everybody is crazy for Swayze.
3: I mean, I know that's gotta be <laughs> Schleg's one of your favorite movies, doesn't it? Road yeah, House?
1: Roadhouse is is legit. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when he like uh when his girlfriend came up at the very at the last fight scene, you know, and he ripped the dude's throat out, she's like, you know, going absolutely crazy, but then like five minutes later they're naked swimming in the in like some kind of pool or something.
4: Well, it mean? is right. Well, yeah, one of the I mean- great scenes in that, in, in all of movie history, like, I, and I don't know how the physics work on it, but there was someone that used a pull cue in that movie, as, mm-hmm. like, like they were pole vaulting over a pool table. <laughs> you remember I'm like, that? That's- I don't understand how much that guy weighs or what that pull cue's made out of, but none of the pull cues that I had growing up would have probably held me after the age of 15. So I'm not sure how that worked, but it was absolutely
1: fantastic in the movie. Actors are tiny, Bob. They're tiny. (laughs) They weigh like 115 pounds. They look bigger on the screen. Everything's bigger on the screen. It was probably, (laughs) it was probably bamboo as well. The pool cue oh, just of made a
3: straight iron. That pool cue it was just made of iron, so it's not a great day, right? Obviously, we had the Jackets game yesterday at three o'clock. A little matinee action yesterday, and got beat two to one. Okay, you know your backs are up against the wall now. It's three one in the series. You got a game tomorrow at high noon. You know to try and stave off elimination. It's going to be three straight games now that the CBJ have to win. It was unfortunate, boys. I mean, I know that that right early in the game you were going to have. You know, it looked like you're opening. And goal was going to be fantastic you had Bjorky who's there putting pressure on the goalie and then you're thinking all right you know one nothing that's no big deal lightning decide to challenge the play Alexander Texier the young stallion he was offside so then it becomes all square you go to the end of the first period it's nothing nothing and then bam bam right in the second I mean two of them gets put away in the first couple of minutes of that period and now you're chasing not only down one you're down two but you have to wonder I mean if that goal goes in and that goal stays at one nothing if the jackets have a lead in that game what was going to be the difference but I, I will say this man I was I was pretty upset you know at Tex in that very moment when they replayed that and they reviewed it and then they wiped it off the board Bob it was it was pretty upsetting to me
4: well, it should have been because that ended up being at least the difference in potentially taking that game to overtime. And the Jackets, who dominated early, did a great job controlling the shots, controlling the pace of play for the most part, you know, come out in the second period, have the momentary lapse right out of the gate. Obviously, another one then about, you know, at the 16 minute mark. And unfortunately, then now now you're chasing. You're chasing the rest of the game. And this Jackets team, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. great defensively. They do a great job packing it in. Make it difficult to get any type of good shots. Corby's done a great job for the most part, and you know you look at the two goals that he gave up yesterday. I mean, they were they were low to high goals coming in from behind him, red line out, and it was tough. The one he gets a pad on, it just flips over the top. The next one, it's a great shot. It's wide open, goes in right over the top of him. I mean, over his shoulder. It, it, there were two really nice shots. He did a pretty good job for the most part you know it was kind of difficult watching you know some defensive breakdowns there not being able to get somebody i think Felino was upset with himself for not getting back and being able uh to check Goodrow i think i believe on that first one and so you know th- then you're chasing and one of the things that was talked about early on i listened to Jody talk about this you know in the pregame is you know they needed their big guys to step up you needed the Felinos, you needed you know Cam uh some of the guys you know Yorkie some of the guys who would you know you expect to be your Veter more veteranish players and to expect to score goals and Cam did that they threw shots at the net you know it's not the prettiest goal it's off a chest off a skate whatever it is you need the stick or not but it goes in and that's the thing like they needed that and they just they couldn't find a way then over the remaining second and third period to try to get something in there and obviously the penalty at the end was a killer when you're trying to pull the goalie to be it pull Corpy out of there to get a six man and so that pretty much put the stake in it and it's it just it's just painful because this Jackets team had not lost back-to-back games since they had gotten to gotten to the bubble. They'd done a good job towards it. No matter what happened, man, they'd found a way to come out. No matter what it was, to get a win after a loss, and that's what kept everything close. And now they're staring at a Lightning team down three-one, who's incredibly talented. Who you're going to need a, a huge game tomorrow for the the ultimate matinee at noon to be able to get that thing going and it's you got to think it's it's less than 48 hours after their last game
3: Schlegs, so obviously now the Jackets down 3-1. you got to win three on the bump to even have a, you know, I mean, to get a chance to move on to the next round. But the way this team is assembled, Bob, I think you hit on something real important there. This isn't a team who's going to climb back from, you know, a big, big goal deficit, right? They're not built for comebacks. Can they do it? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're assembled full of NHL players and they can do it. It's just not the team's identity. They go down early, you know, in the second period and the whole time they were grinding after. Schlegs, I mean, what's the mindset going in to game number five knowing that you're on the ropes it's got to be all or nothing right
1: yeah knock their junk in the ice like that's what mm. yeah that's what you gotta do right <laughs> throw it in the forecheck go knock somebody's face off but here's the thing that you know Bob brought up like Bob you should be like Jody's assistant on there man that was a great breakdown of everything that was going down but you know the offside penalty early on they had so much momentum and then you go look at the really good things that they did throughout this game right and again just like lacrosse, just like basketball, just like, well, hockey, football, it's a game of possession, right? It is hockey. They w- I know, I know, that's why I said hockey, we're talking about it. 30 to 12 on faceoffs. That's, that's lit, man. That's on point. Like, that's awesome. More opportunities to score, right? Or get it out of my zone. Um, shots. They actually won the shots last night. So then you see a little bit of what Tampa was, Trying to do right, like we're not going to go be so aggressive that we have a a three on two or a two on one mismatch in our zone. So, yeah, their shots were down last night. The thing to me, though, man, they're 0 and 12 in the series in power plays. Like, we cannot get a power play goal, and that is something that we really in order for us to to win three, which is what we got to do. And I know you said we've never lost back to back, right? It happens. But we gotta win now back to back, right? So we gotta, we gotta figure out a way to turn it on. And I think it really starts with, we don't, or excuse me, we don't have the opportunity to be off of our game for one split second. That's what you saw in the first goal. Bobby mentioned it, Felino not getting back on that guy. And then the second goal, you had a dude standing all by himself in front of Corpy. And I don't know if it was Jenner or somebody else coming around the back of the net. But somebody's got to box that dude out the gym. Now I know I'm talking basketball there, but it's the same thing in hockey. Box him out the rink. You know what I mean? So I think if they can do those things and still pressure and play great defense, opportunistic offense, be really physical, they have an opportunity.
3: The Big Ten is even more of a mess today than it was yesterday. <laughs> Details on that next. It's morning juice right here on the Fan. We
2: do to appreciate a hearty breakfast. What's better than this, guys being dudes? Now back to morning juice on the van.
3: Morning juice. Brandon B and Bobby Carpenter, Anthony Schlegel. Hopefully, getting your day started out the right way. Jackets lose two to one yesterday. Crappy man. They had six guys on the ice. They poured. Old Corpy late, and then they got the too many men on the ice penalty. So poof, you know, you were going to have an opportunity to at least, you know, get some shots on with the extra skater, get the advantage going, and it doesn't happen that way. And you just got to play, you know, five on five for the rest of the game, which really, really sucked. I mean, you know, the mental mistake there of too many guys on the ice. It's just, it is really unfortunate. So they go down two to one yesterday. They're down three to one on the series. I will say this though, Bob, I thought you had a funny interaction with one of our great listeners, Big Z yesterday. So he likes to tweet us anytime the jackets are on, right? I mean, he's got a great mm-hmm. little setup in his backyard. I see that, I mean, it doesn't matter what time the game is. Like the guys drinking the hard stuff. So tomorrow, I'm really anxious to see his setup tomorrow because I mean, we got 11 o'clock pregame starting here on the fan and then a noon Puck drop for a possible for an elimination game for the CBJ with their back up against the walls. But this is going to be the daily fan poll, and the fan poll is sponsored by Buyers Imports by the Airport. Which start time for the CBJ have you liked the most in the playoff bubble? Noon, three, seven, or eight? You you guys know me. I love daytime sports. We were talking about this yesterday, but I'm anxious to see Carp what Big Z pulls out tomorrow if he's getting into the hard stuff at eleven thirty in the morning.
4: Yeah, that's the problem. Is It's the greatest thing ever when you win, and you know. Yes, what you watched last night. We were talking about that. When you win the game, it's perfect because then you've got the rest of the day. You're feeling good about yourself. You walk around, big chest, like, "Hey, my team did it. We're good to go." Then when you're then when you lose, like you just want to grab another drink and just drown the rest of the day. Like your level of productivity just drops through the floor, and that's what happened to me yesterday. So. I like that three o'clock, three o'clock start time. It's pretty good. Usually I watch the first period of it at the pool, which didn't happen yesterday because the TV wasn't working. So I had to go back home, which was atrocious. And so I had to watch it inside as opposed to enjoying it in the elements. And when I say elements, I mean sunshine and awesomeness. And so I like that daytime, the daytime games because it kind of brings in a lot of things. But unfortunately, I, it ruined my day. Yesterday was awful. So. If Thursday, if they, or Wednesday, if they lose beam, it's going to be, not only is it going to ruin from like 5.45 on, then it's going to ruin, since it's at noon, it's going to ruin like even more time throughout the day, less productivity. My kid's first day of school, like, oh goodness, I, I, it'll be bad. I like the day games,
1: but I need day games with a win, legs. No doubt, no doubt. I, I enjoy the three o'clock, you know, because I can sit here and... The kids are, we don't have school yet, so we have kids swimming in the backyard. We got another kid trying to catch lizards, and he's like, Dad, can you make this box and put some dirt in And I'm like, sure. And then I got another kid riding bikes, and I'm watching the game. Steph comes home from work. We're just sitting there like, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching hockey. She's like, okay. do that hockey. You do that <laughs> hockey. She's like, okay, you know, go find something else on the other TV. But, like, you know, you can sit there and do all those things, and then, you know, just watching in the middle of the day. Tell her to she join the battle, Schlags. You know, she's like, man, this is really, cause she doesn't understand it. She's like, this is really hard to kind of understand it. And myself, like when I, when I left coaching at Ohio State, I was able, I had the opportunity to work with the men's and women's lacrosse team. And I was like, I fell in love with it. And then you kind of look at, Box lacrosse and how fast-paced that is. And then you're watching hockey, and it just goes to this point that I always make. All sports are predicated upon pace, space, and angles. Mm. So, yeah, do I know really what the four-check is? Yeah, I'm learning those kind of things. But I also got a dude that's the goalie coach for the the Red Wings, so I'm leaning on him like – Tell me everything I need to know about hockey. So while we're watching baseball games, and by the way, yeah, there's COVID, but we also played 51 baseball games in three states this year. Nobody got COVID. Poof, David Copperfield. But like, I'm starting to really learn the game of hockey, and I love it. Now, the one thing I do know about hockey, and especially the guys' names, they don't always match up to how I perceive them. Right? You got text <laughs> You got you to tex- pronounce the them. Yeah, I mean, like, Bjorn, there's a J in it. What's that? What? And the then J like is Texier. Silent. Yeah, the J is silent, but like Texier, I think he's kind of from Texas, so I think he'd be tan, Jesus but he's actually Jesus. from France, right? And then you got Liam Foody. And I'm like, dude, this guy kind of probably should look like Bob, you know, have like a red beard. I would love to see him with like long flowing red locks, but he's not. He's got black hair, and he's really fast, so his name should really be, you know, Swifty or Skatey, because he's on <laughs> oh, skates, yeah. not yeah. a foot you know so that's how i'm kind of going about watching this game but hey it's it's fun but i can't wait till tomorrow so that that's awesome high noon right in the middle of my day that way i can wrap up and finish my day with a win and then go do some baseball and hang out with the fam
3: Yeah, it's either going to be a fantastic day tomorrow, Carp, and you're going to have exactly what you said, like looking forward to the rest of the day, beating your chest, walking around, a proud resident of Columbus, or you're just going to be hanging your head until the next day and just thinking about what could have been with this team. So high noon face-off tomorrow. It'll be fantastic. Hopefully the Jackets can push back on something like that and they can get it to a game six up in the bubble in Toronto. So I saw this yesterday. This was, to me, boys, this was a total mess. So you had Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barber so she was doing a press conference yesterday, and I saw this from Adam Rittenberg amongst uh, you know a different a slew of people who were who were taking this quote right. So here was the quote from her: it said It's unclear to me whether or not there was an actual vote. No one's ever told me that there was. I just don't know whether there was actually a vote by the chancellors and presidents. I don't understand. Like I don't know, ma'am. Ma- maybe I'm stupid, and maybe I'm missing something. I heard this yesterday. I was seeing this from a bunch of people, Bob, and I, like, my mind was blown how they're, you know, he had everything come out last week. There was a 12 to 2 vote, and then everything that we heard, it was 8 to 6 in the different states. And now you have the Penn State athletic director coming out and saying, I'm not even sure. No one even informed me of anything. So I, this whole situation is just a mess.
4: Well, and then you follow it up, and Jeff Wall of Fox 9, I'm, I'm trying to think where, I think that's up in Minnesota. He takes Rittenberg's tweet, subtweets and said University of President of University of Minnesota President Joan Gable last week said she wouldn't call it a quote vote per se. Mm. She called it quote a deliberative pro- a deliberative process where we came to a decision together, and supported by the decision to postpone this season. And so that's me. Everyone's like, Kevin Warren, like it wasn't all him. I'm like, listen, the university presidents were being steered. They didn't even necessarily vote. They just talked to, he talked about all the bad things. Like, does everyone kind of sound good? Yeah, sure. Okay. This is kind of what we'll do. Like there was a massive amount of steering. And when you don't even have a vote that to me says you weren't even really trying to see if people wanted to do it in the first place. You're just like, Hey, you know, what what are your thoughts on dinner? No. Okay. Well, good. Okay. We decided we're
3: having chicken.
4: Yeah, it's like, exactly. <laughs> like we ask the kids, what do you want to eat? Uh, just a lot of mumbling and nonsense. You don't spit anything out. And so you know what? You're going to get what we give you. And then you can't complain about it afterwards. And so that's what's ridiculous here is there's the, the opaqueness, like the complete lack of transparency to any of this process. Vote, maybe now no vote. Who voted what? Well, if there wasn't a vote, which is what they're trying to elude, you know why they're doing this? I'll tell you right now. There probably was some sort of straw Polish vote, but they didn't want anyone to get on the record. They didn't want to have anybody have to be accountable because people are asking these questions because in the Midwest, people care about football and they want to know, did my president vote for it or did they vote against it? And there's going to be serious political heat that could have fallout of this. They're like, well, you voted against it. Now tell me why and support your decision. And no one's come out and even talked about why they've actually canceled it and provided hard and concrete evidence. And so when you're doing that, now everybody wants to duck for cover. Well, maybe we didn't actually have a vote. What the, how the heck did you decide? We kind of talked and came to a consensus. That's the most academic bull crap I've
1: ever heard in my life, Schlegs. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, (laughs) when I heard this, and, and you're absolutely right, Bob, transparency is the foundation of legitimacy, right? And you know, I automatically thought back to rat hole money, right? right. So every dude that's the out there. rat money? No. <laughs> hey, man, you do you, right? Rat hole money. It's a secret little stash in your – now, again, Bobby and AJ always made fun of the size of my wallet because I, I have a cowboy wallet, right? It's the really long one. You know, and you got your credit cards in there and you got some business cards in there and then you got your money in there. And then I got my hunting fishing wallet. My hunting fishing license are in there. Like the really important stuff, but behind your ID and my concealed carry ID is where I stash the rat hole money, right? Like that's the extra change, right? That you put in there for something that you want to get. Well, then you go to Vance's or shoe point Blank or your fish. Well, I don't know what you do. I just like to go, I go buy archery or guns or camo, you know, and, and so then you go into a store and, and all of a sudden your wife sees you and you're like shooting this new gun. Where'd you get that? Oh, I had a gift card. You know, at this place. And then all of a sudden, she finds the receipt. And you're like, oh, well, it says that you paid cash for this firearm or bow or camo gear. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I used cash to buy the gift card, (laughs) but that was about three, you know, that was about three months ago, you know, and, and somebody gave another gift card to me and I combined them. So now I gotta walk it back. And you're like, If I was just transparent and said, you know what? I've been saving up for this gun for quite some time. I really wanted the Glock 19X. I got it, you know. But, hey, I also used this money to take you out to dinner the other night. Hey, it's great, right? I also paid for some vacation time, too. So then everything would be good, and you could just go out there and not have to hide stuff. Well, that's what they're doing. They're walking this back. And I think the thing the Minnesota president said, postpone. Again, let's go back to what we talked about yesterday. They had time on their side. Everybody else is starting later. And let's just see what happened in the last week. You got the saliva test, right? That's a big-time deal that just came out. You have all these different organizations talking about people being asymptomatic and not able to give it. Then you give it to other people or or transmit it as easily as people thought it. Or you look at the cases going down like nationally, right? I just checked it yesterday. Going down, we had time on our side, but we jumped to conclusions. And I believe Kevin Warren came out and said, hey, everybody, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it in the spring. Okay, right? Instead of having the people at the table that really know exactly what's going on with their student-athletes. That's what really bothers me about this entire thing.
3: (laughs) I think I have a theory as to why we're finding out there may not have even been a vote on that. I'll share that with you next. It's Morning Juice right here on The Fan.
2: Rising, grinding, and hitting
3: the fairway by 9.30? Hang on, did Bieber
2: write this? Now back to Morning Juice on The Fan.
3: Morning Juice right here on The Fan. Start your day off right. Brandon Bean, Bobby Carpenter, Anthony Schleichel hanging out with you 6 to 9 every single weekday. Right here on the fans. So we were talking about this. So yesterday it came out. You had Sandy Barber, who's the athletic director from Penn State come out and basically say that she doesn't even know if there was a vote that took place, right? I think Dan Patrick was the one who came out and said there was a vote that was 12 to two, all this stuff. And then it gets leaked, Bob. And we're thinking, all right, well, the vote actually was, you know, eight to six and postponing and trying to, to postpone it or cancel the season. But I think I have a theory. Schlags. And I think my theory is this, right? We're hearing everything that is coming out now of, you know, was there a vote? Was there not a vote? All this stuff. No. Well, then you have the Minnesota president who's coming out and saying that, you know, it really wasn't a vote. It was more so just a discussion. And we came to terms basically with every single person in the conference between the, the presidents and all this stuff. So there really wasn't a vote. My theory on this and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just a crazy person and I'm, I, I like a good conspiracy theory from time to time time but I don't think this one would fit in that category Schlegs but I will say this like it seems awfully odd to me how you have all these things coming out about how there was actually a vote and then you get so much backlash as you should because you haven't heard anything from basically the presidents or the chancellors and like what the actual specifics were of canceling the season and postponing it until the fall I mean what's to say that all the presidents aren't you know, I, I I guess the word would be in cahoots with each other to protect their own job status from releasing the votes and finding out which presidents voted each way.
1: Yeah, they absolutely don't want that backlash, right? They don't want to know. And we talked about this yesterday. I mean, the st- COVID is different in every state. And if you look at the way the, st- the states are allowing to have football, right, eight of the colleges in the Big Ten Are in states that aren't having football in the fall in their respective states. The other five states that have six are having football in their states. So then you can say, okay, is it a political thing? That's probably up there, right? Is it potentially, you know, the, they're scared of the fact that there's legislation prohibiting college, uh, colleges from, you know, Allowing athletes to sign waivers and again Bob and I have talked about this like we sign waivers I mean my son's playing in third grade pop Warner football with the greatest youth football coach of all time and and Ryan Miller And guess what you sign a waiver Right, so you have that and the legal exposure that comes along with not having those waivers For the universities right like that played a role then you have this myocarditis again something I and yes What do I know about it? I am a certified strength conditioning coach Right, the CSCCA. Like I have certification. I've been in sports science doing this with Ohio State ever since I was there coaching for four and a half years. So we understand these things and the protocols that go with them. Just like I have a student athlete that has sickle cell and being able to monitor their heart rate and. Safely allow them to participate in our conditioning program, right? So we have all these different underlying things going along with a leader that I believe was pushing the issue to, we want to not have a season in 2020. What are the reasonings behind or the motive behind that, I don't know. But I definitely believe that at these big-time schools, if they said – so, I mean, think about Ohio State. If they found out that Christina Johnson came in, she starts on the 24th, said, yeah, I don't want to play, without seeking the counsel of Gene Smith, Ryan Day, the players, right? Like we've seen other presidents of their respective universities in the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC do – and she doesn't understand the ramifications of Ohio State football and what it does to the local economy and not only that, the, 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 the school's economy, right, and what it does for our university, there would be a significant backlash. That's why everybody is trying to figure out, and collectively they're all going to say whatever supports their job, right, in their position. Bob, what do no. you got? Well, just no doubt. and Because when
4: it comes to this, this is what the irony is in the world. Everybody wants the big title, the big position, and the big money, but nobody wants to be responsible for the big decisions that come mm-hmm. with it. And that is that is the reality of this, Beam, when you brought that up. Like, yeah, no one wants to – I don't know if the presidents would lose their jobs. Maybe, sure. maybe not. I mean, there might, not, might be enough public pressure to where, as you see with the current outgoing president who – Suffered through a, you know, a football quote scandalish where I don't think it was really handled very well on his behalf with how he understood exactly what happened. And he was uh, essentially like a one contract president at Ohio State. And so I don't think any of these presidents want that. They like their jobs. And so once you put yourself on the record and come out and say something, you have to be able to defend that decision. And if you don't have the information to be able to defend that decision publicly, then people are going to begin to push back. And these presidents, they like their jobs. Kevin Warren likes his job, and but as soon as you get on the record then, then all of a sudden your job may become in jeopardy. Maybe not at that immediate moment, but in the long term. And so a lot of these school presidents, that's why they're trying to duck for cover now, and nobody wants to be a, saying it's an, accountable to anything, saying we actually had to vote because then now your stances are public of what you do. Like This is the most political thing I've ever seen to where if I don't ever really stand for anything, no one can tie me to anything. Like, it's truly unbelievable that this is how it is operated. And the fact that the Big Ten, which tries to pride themselves on being, you know, conference a that, conference that is, you know, forward thinking with academics, you know, forward thinking with a lot of the, the different policies that they have in place. And then they're going to try to just throw this out here, unilaterally say Kevin Warren kind of, you know, let him take all the arrows. And believe me, I think he steered this conversation. And now they're backpedaling of whether or not there's a vote. Cause I think you see the Big Ten AD, like the, or the Penn State AD, like you're not coming out and saying that unless your university president's like, listen, I was trying to fight in there and they wouldn't even really listen. And so that's why you have this dissension where, you know, it was originally 12 to two and then it was, you know, eight to six. And now they're saying that was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, cause the reality is like nobody wants to say anything and th- they were hoping to say we came to a, you know, a unanimous decision. Kevin Warren didn't say that cause he couldn't cause you have. At least one school in Nebraska saying, we're going to go try and play. And that's why Because
3: they're... it didn't. It wasn't a unanimous yes. decision.
4: It wasn't. I was talking about it. Penn... And you know, uh, Nebraska, like that was obvious. And some of these other schools that are more traditional Big Ten schools, like Ohio State and, you know, Penn State and Michigan, like they've talked about wanting to play. Their coaches have been strong advocates of playing. And if, and some, you know, even their ADs somewhat, even though Gene Smith hasn't been very vocal about trying to go out, he said he'd look at things. And that's kind of a disappointment to me, but you gotta, you gotta start swinging on this and you've gotta push people to make sure that you know where everybody stands and not let them hide under the cover of darkness. Uh, Pat Forty wrote a sweet article on Yahoo. It's like, sunlight is the, is the best disinfectant and there needs to be a little sunlight shown on this situation, Beam.
3: As you know, Bob, you love to say under the shroud of secrecy, right? Yes, it's one of your favorite things. Shroud to say. of darkness, <laughs> right? And so he's right, man. I mean, the sun's got to shine on it at some point, and one way or another, I mean, it's not an easy decision to make. It was, it seemed to be, you know, a little bit hasty. So I think one way or another, eventually, you're going to find out exactly what happened uh, in those meetings. All right, I'll throw some quick hitters next. It's nice. morning juice right here on the fan.
2: Get up, then get fired up.
4: This is good. Get your hip flexors
3: going, inner thigh, everything. This is Morning Juice with
2: Beamer Carpenter
3: and Legs. Back here on Morning Juice. Hopefully everybody's having a nice little start to their Tuesday. Jackets lost yesterday 2-1. to Now in an elimination situation for them. Got to win three games in a row to try... And stave off elimination from the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it's time to throw some quick hitters. Morning Juice presents Quick Hitters. All right, boys. On Saturday night, you had Stipe Miocic, Cleveland's very own Ohio guy, he took down Daniel Cormier, and it cost one single better one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Carp. That's got to be a tough pill to swallow.
4: Yeah, it does. You know, you, you go with the favorite. I believe it was you know one twenty to win a hundred. So you bet one hundred twenty thousand dollars to win a hundred thousand dollars on the favorite. You feel pretty good about it. The one thing you don't usually uh, you don't usually factor in, Beamer, is that unintentional quote air quotes unintentional. Maybe it was, maybe it was. I don't think it necessarily was. But Daniel Cormier has to pull out of the fight. You got to stop it because why, beam Because he has a torn retina you know so it's not even like there was a potential for him to move forward and so if I had lost $120,000 because of that I would be searching and believe me I I love a a good Ohio fighter but my goodness $120,000 I don't care where you're from get an eye gouge on that and that's why I lost it I'm going to be furious
1: Hey all I know is this DC poked uh, Steppe in the eye in the previous two fights so you know payback is a is it something?
4: You like eye poking, Schweik? Is that your game? <laughs> hey,
1: I always say it's better than a poke in the eye.
3: He poked me in the eye. Compliments of Captain Insano. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> so the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, Maddie's guys, are going to host Dez Bryant for a workout. Chances that Dez gets another chance in Baltimore. You know,
4: I could see him potentially get signed. I really want them to sign Antonio Brown. His oh. cousin, Hollywood Brown, has been lobbying for it. Lamar Jackson has been lobbying for it. Our buddy Matty Hayes is terrified of it because of what it could potentially do inside the <laughs> locker room, even, those, even though Lamar Jackson talks about the leadership that he would bring to the team, which I, I don't know what that would even mean, uh, given some of his antics. Uh, Dez is a dog, though. Like They're a young team for the most part on offense. They've got some veteran guys on defense, but skill position-wise on offense outside of Ingram, you know, they're fairly young. Des Bryant's a dog. I don't know how much he has physically. You know, obviously he tore his Achilles when he's working out for the Saints uh, prior. But if he's healthy and he could be a, a good third receiving option, the veteran leadership and dude his tenacity to win, I think it would be a huge addition in that Ravens locker room.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Bob. I, I definitely um, either one of those either one of those dudes would be uh, a good addition. How about Lamar Jackson and Antonio Brown though? Like all the different things that they could do. That'd, That'd be yeah, That'd be it, fun. It'd be fun to watch. Like
4: throw rocks at moving vans, and people come <laughs> to uh, take stuff out by a court order. I mean, that's that's the type of stuff you could do. I Absolutely. still can't.
3: I still can't believe like the whole thing last year with the Raiders went down. Like the whole burning of the feed, and then forcing Gruden's hand. Like it's, it was one of the most wild things. I've ever seen in my life with the way that it went down. So who knows? Maybe Des gets a shot in Baltimore, and maybe they'll bring A.B. in there as well. All right, the Canadian Football League. Schlegs, they have canceled their 2020 season due to COVID-19, ending 100-plus years of the Grey Cups' continuation up there in the land above us in Canada.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but you know what? The Blue Jays are playing. Where are they playing? They're playing in Buffalo? Yeah. Right? So... I mean, it's no surprise there if they're not playing any type of sports up there. But, I mean, they're they're playing hockey in a bubble, right? But I, I don't think the CFL uh, draws the type of revenue that NHL hockey does in Canada. So, therefore, yeah. it's going to be canceled. The, the downside is I've known a lot of guys that have come out of college or were trying to get into the league that played in the CFL, and that's that's tough pill to swallow because they're losing an the opportunity to get, to get film tape and potentially make it back to the league.
4: And that's the tough thing. Like It cuts down opportunities for guys. You saw the XFL fold, obviously. Last season, the CFL not playing is going to hurt opportunities for guys to play. But Canada's been very strict with what they've been able to do. You mentioned Toronto playing in Buffalo. That NHL's up there, but it's bubbled in two separate cities. I don't think they want to travel. And even if they did, like the financial viability of having it without fans, I don't think their economic model works all that well. They will run more like minor league baseball. They need people in the stands to be able to guard to be able to make money. And so this is this really isn't the biggest surprise in the world.
3: All right, last one here. So the Cleveland Indians, obviously, we know that Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger they were optioned right where. You know they're going away for ten days. Apparently, Jeff Passan wrote an article on ESPN yesterday, Carp, that it's caused a major rift inside of the Indians organization. They got one of the best starting rotations in baseball. You take Pulisak away, you take Clevenger away, especially in a sixty-game season. You just hope that the tribe are able to to kind of survive this and get back on with the team chemistry, right?
4: Oh no! But there were players who said that stood up and said, "If these guys are playing here, then I'm opting out." And right. so you had that rift. Some guys are like, hey, I'm all about winning. Some guys are like, hey, be a pro and not a turd. And so that's what you're trying to juggle here. These are grown men that are sneaking out, one guy lying for the other. Like, this is like what you do when you're in fourth or fifth grade and your parents would catch you with a friend, like, hey, I'm done, cover me. Like, except there's real (laughs) things at stake here. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I understand it. I always want to win. And people, I always say in the NFL, professional sports, even in college, they're about winning more than anything else. Be a pro, show up and work, and it's about the winning. But there's you can't be selfish with this. And I understand why there's a rift. And I don't know how you're going to bridge that unless those guys come out and literally stand up and take and then, like, apologize to their team and say they were two turds.
1: Yeah, culture over talent all day, right? I mean, you lied to your teammates, send them to the minors.
3: If you missed anything from this morning, we'll get you caught up with a re-rack coming up. Also, one Ohio State player's parent. Well, he's planning to march on the Big Ten offices in Chicago. Yes. We'll catch you up on that next. It's Morning Juice right here on The Fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsey Honda Studios.
5: Honda makes the cars. Lindsey makes the difference. Visit LindseyHonda.com.
2: WBNSFM. HD1 Columbus. The
0: Fan sports. Center. Good morning, I'm Mark Shark Tampa Bay leads Columbus three games to one in their first round Stanley Cup playoff series. And all three Lightning victories have come by one goal. Last night in game four, Tampa scored two goals in the first five minutes of the second period. Cam Atkinson then scored for Columbus at 5.48 of the second. And that was it. Neither team scored in the final 34 minutes, 12 seconds. And the Lightning held on. ...for a 2-1 to victory. Game 5 is tomorrow at noon here on The Fan. In baseball, after having games postponed against Pittsburgh on Saturday and Sunday due to a positive COVID test... ...the Reds are tentatively scheduled to fly to Kansas City this morning for a game against the Royals tonight. Luis Castillo will be on the mound for Cincinnati. Carlos Carrasco pitches for the Indians who are in Pittsburgh. The Sports Center is brought to you by Jermaine Toyota. The best selection of new and used cars in Central Ohio... View their full selection of vehicles online at germaintoyota.net. Breaking sports news on The Fan. Live, local,
2: loud, very loud. This is Morning Juice with Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter,
3: and Anthony Schlegel. Morning Juice here on The Fan. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter, Anthony Schlegel hanging out with you weekdays right here on The Fan. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. If you'd like to follow along on Twitter, our new Twitter account, at MorningJuice971, you can go click follow on that. All right, top of each hour means one thing. It's time for a re-rack.
2: Keeping you informed about what's trending this morning, it's time for a little re-rack on Morning Juice.
3: So, Bob, I saw you and Schlegs, you guys both quote tweeted this, and this was coming from Randy Wade, and Randy is the one father of Sean Wade, who is obviously a cornerback here at Ohio State. Randy also came out and said that Sean Wade, if they do end up playing a spring season this year, that Sean is done. He's not going to play that. No surprise there. I mean, I would imagine that you're going to have a lot of guys opting out. There's just no reason for them to do it, especially guys who are going to be talented and in the NFL and have a great shot of going early in the draft. And so Sean Wade is obviously one of those guys. He was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country. But Randy is so fast. up with the big tens decision bob that he tweeted this out see you early friday morning we got a fight and we can't let these young men fight alone All Big Ten fans stand up, and he took a picture of his phone, took a screenshot of the booking date, his flight number, that it's going from Orlando to Chicago, and he is going to try to meet president of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, face-to-face on Friday morning to get some damn answers for his kid. How about that? Friday night,
4: Chicago, 8 o'clock, <laughs> SummerSlam, meet me at the park, Lakeshore Drive, let's go Kevin Warren, Randy Randy Wade v. Kevin Warren, I can't wait for this, Like, and this is the thing, like, Sean Wade he said we're not playing in the spring, Like, and that makes it sound like, yeah, he doesn't want to play college football anymore, no, 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 he still does want to play, his dad is willing to do this, like, the guy wants to have a season. All of these players want to have a season. They're talking about what are they willing to do? Dude's buying a plane ticket and flying from Orlando up to Chicago to try to get some answers out of the out of the conference president and Kevin Warren and why he decided to cancel the season. Because nobody's provided him yet. We're sitting here in the public. And, you know, it's not like we just, I wouldn't say, we do probably deserve the answers but the people that deserve them first are the coaches the players and the parents and so it's not like they've told them something and are withholding it from the public you know we it's not that it's just we don't know the parents want to find out. They want to know. They want to have an idea of why they think these why these decisions were made by the presidents. If it was even a vote, I mean, there's so much ambiguity in this now. Schlegs. you see this stuff happening. It's absolutely fa- fabulous that he's willing to put his own time, energy, and money behind this
1: to try to support his son. And he's not the only parent that's trying to do this stuff. Yeah, and he's supporting his son. He's also supporting the other the other parents, right? It's like you know what? I'm going to take the initiative. I'm gonna go up there. I want to get answers. I mean, we're, that's what I said on, on Twitter. I was like, we need to make a, a countdown clock till, you know, for August 19th at 11.59 PM, right? Counting down when this guy's going to address it again. He canceled, or they, they set out a schedule on the 5th. They canceled the season on the, 11, on the 11th. It's now the 18th. We've heard crickets from the Big Ten, about any type of plan moving forward. And I was talking about this the other day with someone, and I was like, all the different ramifications that go along with it from recruiting, from when the season's potentially going to start up. they have no plan. Kevin Warren has been the guy that is not only driving the bus, but crashing the bus, right? And so now... <laughs> Randy Watson, yeah, Randy Wade, that's it. <laughs> Randy Wade is going to be flying up there, and he's going to get answers, just like I want to have Sexual a cage County. match with Feinbaum, May, and uh, and Desmond. Is that his name, Desmond Howard? Yeah, yes. anyways, the Team of North guy, right? Cage match going down in the summer, 2021. I just got approval from the Big Ten. Psych, they don't say anything. Right? So he's going to go up there and he's going to go try to go get some answers. <laughs> Hold up. Did you just drop on me a Randy
4: Watson, sexual chocolate, and a psych in there, Schlegs? Like it's I did, 1996? man. Hey, hey,
1: hey, you want to know why? Because I'm bout it, bout it.
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, this is quite amazing. <laughs> I will tell you this, but we're going to have two countdown clocks, right? One for you, Schlegs, for an answer from the Big Ten, and then two, the cage match against Feinbaum and everybody else who you're willing to go against. But I, I will say this, man, that it really is impressive. Like, it's so upsetting for these kids and so upsetting for these parents. Obviously, the fans. I mean, what's going to happen here in Columbus, Ohio, with no Buckeye football, right? And across the entire state. And you can say the same thing about all the other Big Ten schools and their their cities that they have and their the the effects that they have on the economies of their each individual state and their own city. But it, it really is amazing how we're you know a week removed away from the deci- from the official decision to cancel the season. And you really haven't heard anything. And Schlags, to me, like, it's pretty shocking. Like, if you're going to have something, and I think this is what we're all on board with, if you have some evidence that is stating, here's what we need to do, this is why we canceled the season, then come out and present the evidence. But to me, the, the, the silence is deafening from the Big Ten, where they haven't said anything in over a week.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, and that's where being a leader, again, Bobby, Bobby alluded to it, right? Everybody wants a title. They want the title, but they don't want to have the responsibility that goes along with it, right? And so they're going to be silent. And what have these people been doing, right? Everybody in America has been working from home, right? You mean to tell me you can't get on Zoom and have somebody there with a whiteboard and spitball ideas to develop a plan A? And plan A, again, in the Air Force, right? I learned it from day one at the academy. Flexibility is the key to air power. So we got to have... Some things that we're going to be flexible, but guess what? That's plan A, right? And as we get new information and time goes on, we might switch gears and go to plan B. And then we're going to execute plan B as hard and as fast as we possibly can. And then guess what? We're going to get new information and we're going to go to plan C and we're going to execute as hard as we possibly can. And then guess what? No more new information, so we just keep doing Plan C. The problem is there wasn't even a Plan A to begin with, because I truly believe that Kevin Warren didn't even want a season from the beginning of this pandemic, right? The juice is worth the squeeze. You got to work the plan. Coach Meyer always talked about preparation stops when the foot hits the ball. The cats aren't prepared for this, and that's why you're getting silence. And that's also why you have poor leadership.
4: No, you're not wrong in saying that, man. And that's that's why they've been quiet because. They don't have any answers. And if you don't have any answers, you don't want to come forward. And now you see, like we said, the dissension among the Big Ten, how the Penn State AD saying really wasn't even a vote. The Minnesota president saying, well, it really wasn't a vote per se. You know, it was more of a, you know, came, talked about it, had a discussion. Well, it wasn't a consensus. Not everyone was on board. So when that happens, you usually have to have a vote if you have some dissenting opinions. And it's just it, the lack of transparency. Is is uh, it hurts. It hurts because people want to know why. Just tell us why. If you have valid answers, everybody will be on board with that then. But if you don't have any, that's when you begin to hide and you begin to run. And that's why there's times where coaches hate doing post-game press conferences Mm -hmm. because if they made mistakes and people are going to call them on it, the good coaches, they own it up. Say, you know what, that was on me. We didn't do a good job right there. It's got to be better. It falls on the coach. Some of them, they get angry. They get upset because – They don't have a good answer for it, and they don't want to accept responsibility. And with the title, with the money, comes the responsibility that you have to have, because that's what you're getting paid to do. Not sit there and you know, leaders don't lead when it's easy. When you're up twenty-one nothing, it's still a football analogy. It's hard when you're up against it, and you're down in the fourth quarter when you're losing, or when there's things that are unpopular. That's when you have to get out there and make it make a stand. I want.
1: Think about Jeff Brom, right? Jeff Brom came out with a plan for for football in the spring. It's not perfect, right? But at least it's a start. And the problem here is, you know, they want to be the the guy that has the answer. Well, Truman said this, you can accomplish anything in life so as long as you don't care who gets the credit. And the thing is, come together and make a plan. We don't care who gets the credit. We just want to have football.
3: So give us some answers. Do you guys think this, because when the Big Ten announced that they were canceling, the Pac-12 swiftly followed them, do you think that they thought, being those two conferences, obviously two out of the power five, thought that the ACC, the SEC, and the and the Big 12 would follow suit with oh, them being the leaders in the charge?
4: I firmly believe that after the Sunday night, or whatever that first night when it came out Sunday-Monday, when they leaked everything, that Kevin Warren thought he could get on the phone and call... Sankey and Bowlesby and his counterparts and some of the other conferences and they would all follow and he would be viewed as a visionary and I think he probably sold that to the Big Ten presidents. Hey, we're going to be ahead of this. No one else is going to have football either and we'll, we'll be the first first mover and it'll look good for us. Yeah, well the reality was you should have talked to them first and you should have made sure they're on board because they weren't on board, because they're going to try to do this. They put all their plans in place. They had protocols. The, the student-athletes had done a good job. You know what? So we're going to give this thing a go, And because they were willing to stand there and take some arrows. Kevin Ward didn't want to do that, and so I think he thought he could build that consensus, because that's what he champions himself as, is quote, a consensus builder, whatever the heck that means, and he couldn't
1: do it. I mean, all you got to do is go down, I mean, obviously I'm from Dallas, Texas, but all you got to do is go down there to to Allen and look at a $200 million foot, high school football stadium <laughs> and look at all the weight rooms and indoors and practice facilities that high schools have that are better 100% than the Cincinnati Bengals because when I played there, they do going to have a daggum indoor and they're in the Midwest. That's a whole different story. But at the end of the day, guess what they're doing? They're playing ball. So to think that you're going to sway the SEC And the Big 12 about not playing ball? I mean, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, come on.
3: I think it was the underestimation of definitely of the year, maybe the maybe the century, right? Like exactly what you said, man. You got hundred million dollar football facilities for high schools across those states down there, and especially in Texas. So I don't know if Kevin Warren thought that that was going to be a thing. It's like, hey, you know what? We're going to lead, and everybody else is going to follow because we're the Big Ten and we hold weight. Like you got a different thing coming because, like I said yesterday, man, hell or high water. Like you're gonna they're gonna try and play football down there. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows how long long they're going to get into the season. I hope they get all the way through it. I don't want those kids season taken away, but I think it was probably the underestimation of the year by Kevin Warren and the Pac-12 for just <laughs> I, yeah, it's just it's so wild, man, to think yeah, we're going to do it and then everybody else is like I don't think you understand how much football means down there. And, I mean, listen, we're from the Midwest. We're doing a show in Columbus, Ohio. You know how much Ohio State football means here. Mm-hmm. Of course, across the state and all that. But, I mean, it was, to me, one of the biggest underestimations uh, you could you could possibly have. Uh, Get your I cowbell know. ready.
4: Yeah, exactly. I don't know how you could possibly misread a situation more, though. Like, that doesn't make sense to me, of understanding the foot geographic footprint in, that you're in and understanding there's a reason why Ohio State – Team up north, Penn State. A lot of these places have eighty thousand seat stadiums, Nebraska or hundred thousand seat stadiums, Nebraska, Michigan State, you know, uh, Wisconsin. You know, eighty thousand. Like, there's stadiums that are built large for a reason. They were built large to be filled, and they these were some of filled- the biggest
3: stadiums in the world. Yes,
4: in the world, hundreds of millions of dollars have been poured into this stuff, and you think people just aren't going to care? Like I don't understand how that could even be a thing. I mean, my goodness, who are you taking advice from? But this is the problem. You get in an echo chamber where everybody around you tells you you're doing the right thing. Instead of someone saying, hey, man, I'm not saying we're doing the wrong thing. There might be some people that are going to be upset about this, and no one apparently told him that or he didn't listen to them.
3: Just a few, right? Just a few people are going to be upset across the whole Midwest and the West Coast. So I don't know, man. I have no clue what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to go in for a revote or whatever it is, but this thing is not going to die anytime soon. All right, A.J. Green's practice ended a bit earlier than he would have liked yesterday. Details next. It's Morning Juice right here on The Fan. Big Dudes,
2: Bigger Opinions. This is Morning Juice with Brandon Bean, Bobby Carpenter,
3: and Anthony Schlegel. On the fan, Jackets go down last night, two to one to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Backs up against the wall, three one series disadvantage. Now They've got to win three games in a row. If you want to go to the next round, we'll talk to our good buddy, Jackets Insider, works for BlueJackets.com, Jeff Svoboda, coming up next in our next segment to break down yesterday's game, what they need to do to get back on track on Game 5 to try and stave off elimination. I also said this, so before we get him on, I want to give you guys a backstory between me and Jeff. We're obviously good friends. He does an unbelievable job, but when we were covering...
4: How would we we know that you guys were obviously good friends? I don't know. you don't have his face tattooed on your shoulders, so I, I, that would be the first indicator. And since, since I didn't see that, I was just curious.
3: Well, so when we were when we were down at the 2014 national championship game at you know at that point in, in Jeff's career, he was covering Ohio State football, I think for the Toledo Blade, and then he's uh, he's come back here to Columbus and, and worked for the Jackets, which is fantastic. And so we there was you know in, in the media hotel, Bob, there was a setup for you know shuffleboard. There was a big shuffleboard table, and I think. <laughs> Jeff and I, you know, after Ohio State had won the national championship game, we went and we stayed up to like four or five o'clock in the morning and we were playing shuffleboard all night. We didn't lose one game. And so we have deemed ourselves, we called the game land curling instead. So we were land curling world champions <laughs> there. We went about 15 and 0 there since then haven't played in like six years, but. That's when Jeff and I's bond really became strong. And so he's back working for the Jackets. So he's a birthday boy today. It's going to be his birthday. So we'll get him on next to talk about everything Jackets to see if they're able to do anything in a comeback to try and stave off elimination against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I saw this yesterday. We were talking about this, that the NFL was going full pads, which is something I know that you two probably looked forward to, right? Schlegs, that first day of getting pads and knocking the cobwebs out and just trying to shake things, shake things out from the offseason right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Didn't face masks and knock a junk in the dirt. Absolutely. It's a great time.
3: I absolutely love it, man. Love it. And we'll talk about the Browns coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, you know, about something that happened there at training camp yesterday, and I'm excited to get your guys' opinion on it. But I saw this, that A.J. Green was pulled out of camp yesterday because of precautionary reasons on the same hamstring that he was having issues with last year. And Bob, I will say this, like it seems to me that it's been like three years since I've seen A.J. Green play in a football game. I know he only played nine games in 2018, right? He had his last game in October. He came back for one game in December, had another injury. Last year it was the same thing, missed out on the entire season, And he's coming back. He had all the stuff in the offseason with A.J. Green. Was he going to be a Bengal? Was he going to go to a different team? What was his future going to hold? I know that was kind of lurking and hanging over the Bengals' heads as a dark cloud last year, but here he is. He's in training camp, and the first day in full Prads, they have to pull him out because of precautionary reasons. And you just have to ask yourself, you know, was it worth it? Because now it's it's become sort of a thing where AJ Green seems to be, you know, injury prone now and you hope that he's all right for the Bengals especially with first year quarterback Joe Burrow at the helm.
4: No, it's huge for them to get him back and I say get him back, slap a franchise tag on him and force him to come back by restricting right. his rights, but I mean last year he had the ankle injury or foot, you know that it, it you know they tried to practice I want to say up at Dayton.
3: It's true, yep.
4: Yeah, they're practicing up there. The field wasn't in good shape, you know, gets hurt. And then that thing just kind of drug on, drug on, drug on. And as it turned out, the Bengals were not very good. And so I don't blame him for not wanting to come back and be a part of a team that was, you know, competing for the first overall pick at that point in time. And so there's always kind of been something with him. And he he's a guy, and I don't – I like to, you know, use this slightly. I mean, he's, he's a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, like a high-end sports car, but because of that he's a little fragile as well. Where, you know, if he's not getting everything, it's, if it's just not perfect, like those guys can seize up a little bit. They can start to get, you know, the hamstring, the soft tissue injuries. And I don't know if this was because, you know, the the off season was significantly different. Like, you didn't have OTAs this year. You didn't have minicamp. If he wasn't maybe in the, the type of shape that he needed to be coming in. or Because those receivers, man, they'll run like seven miles during practice, seven, eight miles. Like, those dudes haul, and they have all those pads on while they're doing it. And so it can put a strain on you. And so a lot of times they try to slowly ratchet it up, but you have to come in in shape and ready to run. And not that he was out of shape, but maybe, you know, coming off the ankle, you know, the contract stuff and you're know, not a typical offseason. Maybe he hadn't done quite as much running as he typically was accustomed to, to be in the type of shape he needed to be to play NFL wide receiver at the level he's going to do it. Cause the guy, when he's on, he's an all pro. He's as good as you can get. But like you said, the last four or five years, he's been missing time and, you know, chunks of seasons, you know, whether it's a hamstring, whether it's a shoulder, he had the arm injury, I think, in the playoffs in one year. Like he always just kind of has something. And I understand this is probably far more precautionary now to not make it worse, but hopefully this is the last time we're discussing it here after his, his return to play, and this isn't something that lingers throughout the season, Schlegs.
1: Yeah, it's really hard because, you know, obviously going through COVID, there was no OTAs, right? So that's where some of these issues can be addressed. The other thing is, I know a lot of head strength coaches and assistant strength coaches in the NFL. Like, that's kind of the beauty of me talking about this. Like, I probably know 90 Division 1 coaches college strength coaches right uh all those different schools and a bunch of the nfl and to me looking at the nfl the hardest thing about being a strength conditioning coach as well as an athletic trainer is you don't have these guys all year right they're going to self-proclaimed instagram strength conditioning gurus to get their things and we've seen some of the training videos that these guys have put out and i'm just like what are they doing right So and that's why you're seeing this injury list that we've seen throughout the NFL. You got feet, you got ankles, you got pecs, you got hamstrings, and specifically talking about like an AJ Green, it's why I I actually prefer the four six four five guy as opposed to the four 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 three guy because it's not necessarily slower. What's
4: that? (laughs) Slower receivers are better.
1: Yeah, but here's the deal: I'd rather have a way better route runner, right? Because they're probably less injury prone. You look at Michael Thomas, right? Michael Thomas, 4'6 guy, runs great routes, creates separation, has unbelievable hands, works at his craft. The hard thing about guys that can fly is they also have to deaccelerate as fast as they are running, right? Which puts more pressure on your hamstrings, which is why they have hamstring issues. It's not necessarily the running. It's the stopping in and out of their brakes. And so when you have those type of things, along with a, hey, guess what? You're on your own to be in shape. Like this is the culmination of that, right? So now they got to go back and they got to reevaluate their physiological workload throughout their practices. Would that? What does that mean? That means less rep with your dude, Joe Burrows, who's trying to get on the same page with everybody. But now you can't do that. And that was the thing at Ohio State, Coach. Did you Nick, just put an S on the end of his name.
4: <laughs>
3: I didn't want to say anything. No, I, I, I no, caught I, it. I,
4: <laughs> <laughs> How many of?
3: Burrows?
4: <laughs> How
1: many Burrows are on
4: that team? <laughs>
1: I don't know. He's owning it, right? I'm putting it as a oh, see, ownership. <laughs> ownership. <laughs> Joe Burrow's team. like There's a couple of them, and they all own the Cincinnati Bengals
3: together. Is there an apostrophe in there? I don't, yep, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't
1: know. The, CB-
3: <laughs> the CBJ are down to possibly their last game of the season. What do they need to do to stave off elimination? We'll chat with our guy Jeff Svoboda of BlueJackets.com next. It's Morning Juice right here on The Fan.
2: Wake up and smell the smelling salts. This is Morning Juice with Beamer, Carpenter,
3: and Legs. Back here on Morning Juice. Hopefully everybody is settling into their Tuesday morning just Finally. I'm going to head now to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Welcome in a good friend of mine, good friend of the program, Jackets Insider for BlueJackets.com, one half of one of the greatest land curling teams ever assembled, Jeff Svoboda, the birthday boy. Jeff, good to talk to you, buddy.
5: Great to talk to you guys. and I think we need to perpetuate this land curling story, story as much as possible here. while you've got the show. I think it needs to become legend.
3: Yeah, I do too. I mean, I said that we went 15 and 0, and you know what? By the next time that we have you on, hopefully, when the Jackets are moving on into the next (laughs) round, it's going to be 100 and 0 over the course of many, many days. And maybe even once we, we took a trip and went just land curling together. So Jeff, happy birthday, buddy. It's good to have you on. We'll start with yesterday's game. Obviously first period, you had Bjorki score on a perfect little, you know, rebound off the goalie's pad. It was fantastic. You were up one to nothing. You got your juices flowing in that game. Tampa Bay they want to review it for an offside Texier yeah, he ends up being offside you know you end the period nothing nothing okay that's fine second period comes out four minutes into that Jeff you're down two to nothing I mean let's just play hypothetical here you know yesterday if that break goes your way if if Bjorky's goal is good if Tex is an offside do you think we're talking about a whole different series here
5: I think there's a good chance we are just because this Blue Jackets team plays so differently with the lead. Uh, and I think their goal in every game, uh, and especially if you look at last year's playoffs, the games that they won were games where they were able to get the early lead. They can kind of control the tempo of the game from that point. Uh, you know, because obviously this is not a team, uh, that's going to score probably five or six goals a game. Uh, and so, you know, if, if they get that early advantage, they can play the game the way that they want to play it. Uh, and then they're able to kind of finish it off from there. It almost it kind of remind me of like the 2016 Cleveland Indians almost where they, you know, if you could just get, you know, get the early lead, you know, whether it be a power play goal or however you do it, uh, and then just kind of let your defense with the Indians that was pitching, uh, just let your defense kind of take over and play the game the way you want to play it. It's just so much easier to win. Uh, and that's a couple of guys said that after the game, too, is that, you know, if we just got that early lead, it would have felt like a different game. Uh, so yeah, I think it could be very well a different story, especially the way, you know, it's not like game three where they had the first strong 10 minutes and then kind of ran out of gas, hit the long list towards that. Uh, you know, they put in a good sixty minutes yesterday, but it's just it's such a struggle for them to score goals against Tampa the way that Tampa is playing that yeah, any anytime one comes off the board, especially early, they'd like to kind of get them out of their game. Uh it, it made a huge impact in the game and credit to Tampa for making the right call. Tex just was outside. You can't you know you can't look at the video and say that they got it wrong, but it's just kind of unfortunate because it changed the whole game uh, in that moment. Uh and unfortunately went against the Blue Jackets.
4: We're talking to Jeff Sabota, Jackets Insider here on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline and you know, Jeff the Jackets outshoot them 20 29 to 22. They dominate in face-offs, and they really controlled most of the game outside of the first five minutes of the second period. Is there anything different that you need that they need to do in game five to be able to try to turn this thing and to make it a series again? Or is just really just stay the course and continue to do what they're doing and play Jackets hockey and hope that some of those shots that you miss so ever so slightly. Find the back of the net.
5: Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I would say for the most part, I, you you keep it similar. You keep trying to play jacket hockey, as you said. You know, you try to get the four check going, and they got a lot more uh, of that in game four than they had really in any of the games in the series up to that point. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's hockey. Sometimes you play a, a decent game, you have more of the puck, and you end up losing. And so, you know, I think as far as you know, five on five play and just general mindset and the way that they approach that game, I think you want more of the same. The only thing strategically you might be able to change up a little bit as power play. And that's become, since the two goals in the first two games, you know, over the last uh, uh, two games, they're scoreless on the power play. And, and that's, you, you got to take advantage of those. And, uh, you know, those are almost free goals. Uh, when a team like Tampa puts you in, in situations, especially early, uh, to take the lead on the power play, you have to take advantage uh, in, in playoff hockey. And that's something they did so well uh, a year ago, is that they got power play goals. You know, they, they took what Tampa gave them. And they just haven't been able to do it in the last two games of the series. And then you both of those games end up as losses. So, you know, at this point you can't really totally change up your power play, but you can look at it and and drill it today and just try to find something that maybe works. Because, again, those are free goals. That's just a chance to kind of steal some from a team that you probably expect you're going to get outplayed a little bit five-on-five. They're that good a team. But if you take advantage of the special teams, it kind of evens up the game. And so they've got to find something a little bit there. I don't know if they're going to try personnel tweaks or things like that, but I think that's an area where if you can just if you're looking at something you can change up, uh, you got to figure something out there.
1: Jeff, what's going on, buddy? Anthony Schlegel here. And uh, one, do you have a really cool nickname that you go by, uh, and when you're playing shuffleboard with my guy Beams over there? And two, <laughs> Corby is a redheaded spider monkey, right? I mean, it's amazing. I love watching this guy go from one one pole to the other. Uh, how impressive has he been, and do you think he has to really shut him out if we're going to have a chance to win the next three?
5: I wish I had a good nickname. This is Beam's fault. Beam should have given me a good nickname. If you can't give yourself one, so exactly, just deflect, Jeff.
3: Just like the Big Ten, just <laughs> deflect. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I, I wish I had a better answer for the first question. Uh, the second one, I mean, how impressive has he been? It's been incredible. It's been. I mean, who knew? Uh, I hate to say who knew he had it in him, uh, as far as Swarpy because of, uh, the fact that, you know, everyone around the team knew he was a pretty good goalie, but to be where he has, you know, save percentage-wise in the series and to make some of the ridiculous saves he made, uh, the one in the, the power play in the second period there where he kicks out the leg twice, uh, I mean, he was just so, cal- yeah, unbelievable. And he was so calm in that moment, too. Like, I mean, it, 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 most goalies would be freaking out, like, trying to throw everything they had in front of the puck. And he just kind of saw the play coming and was just like, oh, I'll just stick my leg out there and make the save. Uh, uh, he's been incredible, and you can't ask for anything more out of him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they, they might need a little bit more out of him because, again, this is not a team that's probably going to score five or six goals in a game. Uh, but, you, you know, you, you just stay the course with him and hope that he keeps playing the way he is, and, and he deserves it because he's a well-liked guy on that team. He's put in the time, he's put in his dues, and to see him having the success he's having and to see the NHL recognize it, it's a really cool story, I would say.
3: Jackets insider Jeff Svoboda joining us in the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. If they are going to win tomorrow, Bodes, a high noon face-off, if there's going to be one guy offensively to step up, who is it going to be? I mean, you had PLD yesterday. You had a, a nice little breakaway opportunity. You have Cam with the goal. Is it going to be one of the youngsters? Is it going to be Foodie or Text that steps up? If if you have one guy to pick who's going to shine brightest tomorrow and try to keep the Jackets in this, who's it going to be?
5: I would say Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, he, he should have had a third goal there. Oh, well, yeah, you know, obviously offside, but you know he he could have had a third goal there. Uh, in game four of the series. Uh he's our leading goal scorer during the regular season. He just hasn't quite uh, found his game to the point that he needs to find it yet. He's not playing quite as well as he was at the end of the regular season. Uh, but I think he's their best goal scorer. He's their, their best offensive player. He might be their best player, uh, as Torts has said a couple times with, down the stretch of the season. He was that good. Uh, so I, I think, you know, at the point he's at where he's, he's not a young guy anymore, he's 24, 25 years old, you know, your your best players have to be your best players. He's their most skilled guy. I think he's a guy that you know maybe has to have a, a goal or two uh, at this point for them to win that game. Uh, and so that's the guy I would say. But they need more out of the veterans too. I mean, Foligno doesn't have a goal. Uh, Jenner doesn't have a goal. Nyquist doesn't have a goal. You know, both Seth and Zach don't have goals. Uh, you just somebody somewhere has got to find some more offense. But I think you got to start with those big guys, and whether it be like Bjorkstrand, like I said, or you know maybe those defensemen who you put a whole lot of your offense into. Uh, you know, you got to get more from, from not just one person, but I think a group of people, really, or else it's going to be a short series, unfortunately.
4: You know, you mentioned uh, Felino and, you know, it's one thing offensively, but, you know, he's a guy that's a high-effort, high-energy guy, very smart hockey player, and that's why he has the C, Jeff. And it, to me, watching those goals and, you know, listening to Jody break them down, you know, was there something structurally there with Nick where – You know, trying to get back to match because it looked like he was the guy missing the match on both of those goals that gave them, you know, good looks really at the net. And, you know, Corby did the best he could, especially on the first getting at least a pad on it. But, you know, is that, is there something structurally there or is that he just has to find a way to get, get back and match up?
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's probably the latter to be honest with you. And I I think he's a guy. Uh, who who just wants to win so bad that maybe sometimes the effort puts him in, you know, he, he overplays a certain situation or things like that. And especially, you know, that whole line, Uh you get in a situation where uh three of your players who have been on the team the longest are put together on a line and they end up minus two. Uh, that's certainly not how you draw it up. And it, and, they, and they've got to be better than that. And I, I know they're uh, certainly trying, but in a situation where you lose two to one and, and your your veteran line is out there for, for the two goals given up, uh, you know, that's got to probably annoy a torch a lot today, I'd have to imagine. So, uh, all, all three of them, I think, probably have to be better because there were definitely breakdowns on those situations. But, you know, Nick's had a, had a tough playoff. He was in the box in, the, in overtime for the one Toronto goal. Uh, he just hasn't really been able to, to do a whole lot as far as offensively. I, I think he's maybe pressing a little bit uh, just because of how much he wants it. Because and especially, you know, he knows he's only got so many more craps at this This thing being a player who's, you know, in his 30s now. Uh, and you forget uh, Nick, you know, he feels like he's you know, still a relatively young guy, but this is, a, you know, I think, his like 12th or 11th NHL season. He's been at it for a while. Uh, and, you know, especially coming back off the pandemic and everything he's kind of put aside to being away from his family for this whole thing, uh, you know, he's just got to be a little bit more in control and a little bit more kind of have his wits about him uh, rather than trying to just do everything through effort because, uh, you know, if you try to be everywhere, you're nowhere in some ways. And so, you know, that, that's a line, and we'll see if they stay together, but, uh, you know, that's a line that's, that's got to be better. And it's something he keeps saying, well, you're not in a 3-1 series. Yeah, somehow, some way you've got to find a way to be better.
4: You know, Jeff, and quickly here before we let you go, in our last minute, you mentioned do they stay together. Do you think, you know, knowing John Tortorella, that this would be a situation where he might, you know, throw those lines in the blender and try to get something else going here for game five to try to mix it up a little bit?
5: Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't gotten offense the last two games. and so in, that, in those situations, Sports is pretty much the guy that's going to say, we're going to change it up and we're going to try something different. So uh, I, personnel-wise, I don't know what changes to the lineup. I think, you know, Senlin might come out and, Someone else goes in, but you don't. You don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower sitting there, so uh, it's probably going to be changed in the lines. Changes within uh, the, the guys they got out there. And, you know, you kind of uh, shake them up a little bit. Maybe promote a younger guy like Eric Robinson, whose legs you can take advantage of, or Booty, who I thought had a better game four uh, after struggling a little bit there, especially in game three. Uh, you know, maybe try to get those young guys out there and see if their speed can do something. So yeah, I think that it'll probably be a different look uh, for game four, but what that will be remains to be seen.
3: Jeff, we always appreciate the time, but Enjoy enjoy your birthday, and hopefully we're able to talk to you here down the line as the Jackets try to continue their push for a Stanley Cup. Have a good day, bud. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Jeff. All right, thanks, guys.
3: There he goes, Jeff Swoboda, Jackets Insider, joining us on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. All right, coming up next, we'll let you know what has us juiced for the day. It's morning juice right here on the fan protein shakes, and energy drinks.
2: The breakfast of champions. This is Morning Juice with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlags.
3: Back here on Morning Juice, we want to again thank Jeff Faboda, Jackets Insider, for jumping on with us in the last segment to preview Game 5. Noon face-off tomorrow up in the bubble. Jackets down 3-1 in the series, trying to stave off elimination, but at this time every single day, we'll tell you what has us juiced. What's got you juiced? Sponsored by Atlas Butler Plumbing Services. Schlegs, I know that this is probably your favorite segment of the entire show, buddy. What's got you juiced today?
1: (laughs) You know, I I had something else, but I tell you what, with Randy Wade flying (laughs) up to the Big Ten, you know, we got 40 hours on my imaginary countdown clock to the, the, you know, the the clock strikes midnight on uh, August 19th, so, Randy Wade flying up to the Big Ten, trying to get some answers from Kevin Warren. And matter of fact, today I'm going to incorporate 40 hours because that's what's left. Just like we do for that team up north and push-ups and sit-ups, I'm going to include 40 reps of something in my entire workout today for Randy because we want answers. Attack and dominate, Randy. <laughs> oh, Follow geez. that one up, Bob.
4: Exactly. <laughs> I have to sit here, Schlegs, and listen to you scream my name. <laughs> anyway, but
1: last year, I spent more money. Right?
4: I go. Through of course, the of I'll course, Rick Flair. We'll, we'll, we'll start old... working that into the show. But you here's what's got man. me. Here's what's got me. Juice Beam. Everybody's dream in this world is to be able to be with the girl that you would always wanted, who probably may have been a couple years older than you, but you're in high school. She's probably in her twenties. And then your dream is to play whatever professional sport that you love. And then ultimately, it's like if I could maybe own one of those teams, that might be even better. And then one day, all of a sudden, you're in your mid 40s after you've been just blasted for your entire life after people you've lying about taking steroids. And I'm talking about Alex Rodriguez here, all who right. I've never really liked all that much, but you know what? I've started to like him more after I don't I've like watched him. him
3: do- but I respect him. <laughs> I, well I do. I,
4: I respect him now. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win, so that's fine. You know what, buddy? Whatever you got to do, that's all good. We'll deal with that. But the man now is the is the leader to buy the Mets. Him and his, I don't know, there's his, his girlfriend, I guess. I don't think they're married yet or even engaged. But they have it, they call it the J-Rod group. You've. I mean, so you've got J-Lo, you've got A-Rod, you've got the J-Rod group going to buy the Mets. And so you want to talk about a guy that's winning in life, a dude that's hit a massive amount of home runs, a dude that is now with uh, Jennifer Lopez, who I love when they pull out the stuff from his rookie year, like early when he's with the Rangers or Seattle even. Like, who's your dream date? Mm -hmm. He drops out Jennifer Lopez. Oh, fast forward 20 years. Now they're together. Oh, and we're going to pool our cash and get the vitamin water founder to throw in a little more behind us. And now we're going to go buy the Mets. Like, I don't know if you could ever have a better dream that becomes a reality beam growing up. So whatever English Premier League team you wanted to buy, and whatever uh, whatever singer, supermodel, whatever (laughs) it is, when you were 18 that you wanted to date, and you could say, hey, all of a sudden when you're in your mid-40s, not that you would ever want to leave your lovely wife, but you could those things could become a reality. like I don 't know if it really gets any better than that, regardless of how you feel about a rod, that's thinking awesome.
3: I mean, you know what Jimmy said in Blades of Glory, if you can dream it, you can do it. And A-Rod has had one hell of a career after his baseball career. I mean, talk about a guy also that likes to get juiced. And what's got you juiced? He was one of it. Now he's going to apparently own the Mets. So it's fantastic for him, fantastic for J-Lo. He's got a great life going on. What's got me juiced is the Justin Fields petition that we were talking about yesterday did break the quarter of a million signature mark. It's amazing. This team isn't going down without fighting. A lot of people in the conference are doing that. Schlegs, what you were talking about with Randy Wade flying from you know Orlando, Florida up to Chicago, Illinois to try and confront Kevin Warren face to face to get some answer about his kids. We got Justin Fields out here wanting to play a, play a game, play a season. This thing's over a quarter of a million signatures. It's fantastic to see. I love that Justin Fields this is what it's talking about, man. Just being an absolute leader. We talked about this yesterday. Likely going to be a top five draft pick. There's no reason for him to play his final year. He's already got his money all sealed up, but this is what leaders do, and it's fantastic to see so many people getting behind that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And probably knowing Kevin Warren and what he's been doing lately, he's probably going to say, I can't meet with you till you've quarantined for 14 days. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, Poop, David
1: Copperfield.
3: That is quite amazing. All right. If you missed anything from this morning, we'll get you caught up with the re-rack coming up. Also, there's one way to save on your alcohol purchases. I'll explain that next. It's morning juice right here on the fan.
2: Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
5: Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
2: WBNSFM. HD1 Columbus.
0: The Fan Sports Good morning. I'm Mark Dishark. In game four of their first round NHL playoff series, the Blue Jackets got off to a great start as Oliver Bjorkstrand scored early in the first period against Tampa Bay. But the Lightning asked for a review, and sure enough, Alexander Texier was offsides before the goal, so it was taken off the board. That turned out to be very painful because Columbus lost by a goal. 2-1. 2-1. to one. Tampa leads the series three games to one. Game five is tomorrow at noon here on The Fan. The Columbus Crew announced that they have acquired midfielder Fatai Alasheh from FC Cincinnati in exchange for a second-round pick in next year's MLS Super Draft. The 26-year-old Alache has played six seasons in the league. He played his college soccer at Michigan State. The Browns conducted their first practice of the season in full pads. Due to injury, Miles Garrett, Jarvis Landry, and J.C. Treader didn't practice, and then running back Nick Chubb had to leave practice to be evaluated for a possible concussion. Breaking sports news on the fan. Attack and
2: comedy your alarm clock. This is Morning Juice
3: with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlags. Morning Juice. Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter, Anthony Schlegel hanging out with you weekday morning, 6 a.m., to 9 a.m. attacking and dominating our way through the morning jackets lost yesterday tough one two to one had the chance at the end they pulled Corpy out to get a six on five get the extra guy out there get the advantage they obviously didn't do that there was too many men on the ice penalty it was it was pretty sucky it was horrible you know it seemed like a mental lapse there for the cbj now they find themselves down in a 3-1 hole Bubble game tomorrow against the lightning up in the bubble in Toronto starts at noon. So hopefully we are not going to be sad throughout the entire day. Hopefully the Jackets can stave off some elimination tomorrow and get that thing to three to two and then force a game six somehow. And then, you know, anything can happen in a game seven. So all you're trying to do right now is survive in advance and take each day just day by day. But all right, it's time to hit a re-rack shark. Keeping you informed about what's trending this morning, it's time for a
2: little re-rack on so, Morning Juice.
3: Carp, you were the one who directed me to this story, and I really couldn't believe it when my own eyes were reading this. So I had heard of this before, but it still blows my mind every single time that I read about it. So this was coming out yesterday. It said a 47-year-old man kept getting drunk from alcohol produced in his own gut and doctors cured him. Well, I'll give you the answer to that in just a second. But here's, it says, After undergoing a course of antibiotics, a 47-year-old man noticed he was feeling drunk at seemingly random intervals throughout the day, even without consuming alcohol. This rare condition is known as auto-brewery syndrome. It occurs Mm. in the body, and you produce your own alcohol inside your gut. Doctors tried to treat the man with a low-carb diet and antifungal medications, typically effective for this condition. But it didn't help the patient still experienced periodic accidental drunkenness and in one case so severe he lost his driving license because of a random police check. Said what finally did work though was none other than a poop transplant. That's right. Doctors were able to transfer the fecal microbacteria, the bacteria present in poop, the doctor's patient's small intestine 34 months later he continues to be symptom free according According to the study. How about that, man? I mean, just walking around, you got a gut carp that's just producing alcohol out of nowhere. I mean, we talk about saving on alcohol. I guess this is one way to do it.
4: Well, and people always tell other people to eat crap, Beam. I think this might be the, <laughs> maybe the solution. You know, is it a transplant? Do they make him eat it? I mean, I'm not sure exactly how all that works. <laughs> I don't know either. But, you know, I mean, not to go too much in the, the chemistry piece of it, you got your Krebs cycle, your ketoacidosis. You know there's only like a couple little variants there between your body producing lactic acid build up and then when you work out just going into pure fermentation. And obviously my man here, I mean he was he was a cheap date. You know, you don't even have to drink <laughs> alcohol to get drunk, which I I enjoy the I enjoy the act of drinking. And so I don't know if I don't know if that would be good for me cuz I do enjoy some wine, some bourbon, you know, kick crack some Coors Light from time to time. But, but so I don't know if I would really just be like, "Hey, I'm gonna have dinner here, and with dinner, I'm just going to be drunk, not actually have a drink." And so unfortunately, for this dude like he lost his license, which I don't even know what you tell the cop. Like every dude, sir, I haven't him. had
3: anything to drink. Why does your blood alcohol <laughs> exactly. level say point one zero? Exactly. Everybody tells the cop,
4: nah, no, I've only had like one or two. No, I haven't, I promise I haven't drank. Like, dude, the breathalyzer, it doesn't lie, man. I'm telling you, I haven't had anything to drink. Sure, you haven't. Get out of the car. Let's go. You know, do the walk, everything. I mean. And unfortunately for our dude here, like, freaking lost his license. And then they fed him, you know, out of a poop transplant, eat some turds or whatever he had to do. She likes to get it done to make sure that he get those good bacteria back in his stomach. I plead
1: the fifth. <laughs> one, two, three, four, fifth. Old Chappelle show reference there. But yeah, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, like, that would absolutely be devastating. Meaning, like, you're just walking around all of a sudden, you're drunk, you have no clue why. Like, what's wrong with this guy? It's kind (laughs) of your life, Schlegs. (laughs) What is, everybody's like, what's wrong with Schlegs? Like, why is he always like this? That's just him, right? This guy, he's just always drunk. Why? He doesn't even drink alcohol. Something's got to be the problem. Oh, it's the micro, whatever, fecal matter. That sounds great. The I mean, bacteria really to, does. To, to let you know a little
4: little secret who to beam uh, behind the curtain for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so when we were talking about AJ Green, you know, having the hamstring stuff and throwing him out for the precautionary measures, and Schlegs said, "This is why I prefer receivers in the four six four five range." <laughs> and then we we get a lovely text from a friend of ours, a little group chat from Mr. Joey Galloway, who's running a four three four four like mid forties, and he's like, and why "That's you real. That's up? a
1: testimony." Now I timed him. Yeah. He's like, why are you hating
4: on fast people? I'm I'm like, exactly. Schlegs discriminates against fast receivers. Like, that's why he's not a GM. Yeah, can't cover. I can't can't cover cover
1: him, I got Tyrannosaurus Rex arms.
4: Oh yeah. And so Joey has just been beating him with this in this group text and it has been fantastic. And he's like, it's because you're a five three because he likes five, five three linebackers. And yeah. Like, come
1: on, man. I'm way yeah. faster than a five
4: three. Well,
3: he said five, it wasn't two, the problem one. with the acceleration. It's the problem with the deceleration. It's exactly. literally all gas, no brakes then, Schlegs.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at, I mean, again, two anomalies, right? You got Joey Galloway. You got Teddy Ginn Jr. He's still playing. Joey played 17 years. And I remember one day I'm a straight coach at Ohio. State I walk outside Joey's there he's like hey will you tie me and he just randomly runs straight up real talk four 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 one four three nine four four oh I'm just like what right and then he went and played golf you know what I mean like he could just just like Bob Bob can just run for days and honestly you get jealous of those type of people they just run but you know what then you have to accept who you are and that's not my game I only run 10 yards Right? And I lived heavy amounts of weight. That's why I should have played football back in the 70s and 80s. Cause I, mean, I just wanted to go straight ahead and hit people. These guys super fast. And now you got tight ends that are like 6'6". I, my arms are like, I don't know, my wingspan's probably like 5 feet, you know, total. <laughs> right? So now I'm one. i I'm slow. And I got short arms. Great. I mean, awesome. Really so like good for hitting people. Really bad for covering people.
4: He's got a he's got a dip down beam to get the bottom of his pocket. Like he can't fully get out. <laughs> that of it without that. He, he has to like tip over true. to fully reach and get the bottom. And that's what I told you, like people, that human beings are like dogs, man. You, do you have a dog beam?
3: I do not. No. Yeah,
4: okay. So I like, should get right. one. Said, so talk to Rothman about this all the time about schlegs. I'm Like, you know, some people are more greyhounds, some people are more like French bulldogs. Schleg's mm-hmm. are more like a French
3: bulldog.
1: Now, I'd you know? say I'm more like a red nosed you know? pit pit. Bobby always <laughs> right. game game
5: ready.
3: <laughs> I mean, good lord, that's I. I'm telling you what, man. French bulldogs though, they're sturdy. You're exactly built like one of those Schlegs. I mean, Short you really arms. are.
1: <laughs>
3: like to sleep,
1: rolling all over the place, underbite. <laughs> That'd be more like our dude Doug. I mean, I honestly... It's fantastic.
3: So I just saw this yesterday too, boys. That you know we were talking about moving back on a campus, and we talked about yesterday how Ohio State was a little bit of a mess. And you know, are you in jeopardy of actually having your your school year taken away if you don't get the coronavirus testing? Well, North Carolina they moved back on a campus one week ago, right? And so they had a bunch of cluster outbreaks of the coronavirus, and within one week they are already now moving their camp their students off campus. So they had a 130-plus cases of the coronavirus after their initial move-in last week. And they tweeted this out yesterday. said, after consultation with state and local health official, UNC infectious disease expert at UNC System of Carolina are making two changes to de-densified campuses. On Wednesday, August 19th, all undergraduate instruction will shift to remote learning and Bob I would imagine like in North Carolina they came out their athletics department said it doesn't matter like we're still focusing on playing sports so even though there was a big outbreak on campus and in class North Carolina and their athletes tested at least from the football team they all tested negative so it does seem to be even if there is an outbreak on campus a sports world you're doing okay and they're doing fine right there now
4: you know when they said everybody we can't bubble these student athletes well you kind of can in a sense that a lot of these classes they have remote options like ohio state due to the professors and like the students have the ability to sign up for you know in-person classes hybrid models or full online and like Schlags has been telling people classes have been online since he was in school and to online meant him like they posted <laughs> notes online so he didn't he would just not go but like these are actually full virtual classes and so what did we see when all the student athlete, the football players started coming back on campus there were some spikes because people were coming around from everywhere and that was with a hundred players now you got thousands pouring in so there's going to be a spike initially what does it look like two and three weeks from now? Is the school able to get it under control, and does it affect the football and student athlete population? Like, and if they can find a way to separate that, which it looks like they've been doing a good job, we'll see that how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. But I'm I'm curious to see because Ohio State's going through that right now, and so everybody's going to have their own issues with it. But can they continue to keep the football players separate? And I say keep meaning are the young men responsible enough? to not be cruising around other dorm rooms because you know in other people's apartments knowing that everybody's back, you know, you want to go see some co-eds, you know, have a drink, hang out, relax, do things young college kids do. You can't do that. You got to sacrifice. You got to do everything right. And I was you know talking to a you know the guy yesterday who plays football in the Big 10 about this and he's like, "You know, we did everything right all 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 off season. Like you, you gave everything up and now like, they just said no. And so that's what's frustrating. And so these guys have done it. So hopefully they'll continue to kind of stay the course likes.
1: Yeah. It's, it's also the problem when, uh, on move-in day, you're playing Petey Pablo, North Carolina, uh, yeah. take your mask off, twirl around your head just like a helicopter. <laughs> like, that's what happens. You know what I mean? So go Bucks.
3: Yeah. It's pretty wild. So we'll see. I mean, there was a big outbreak on campus, but. I mean, who knows if they're able to get this all in, but these are going to be the challenges that you're going to have to face. And the ACC right now, not pulling any plugs. They're going to go on with their season. The Big 12 is going to do the same thing. I know that the the SEC just released their schedule last night. So fascinating stuff coming out of there. All right, the first NFL game of the season will have actual live spectators in attendance. But a soccer game going on here in Columbus this Thursday won't. We'll give you all the details on that next. It's Morning Juice right here on The Fan. Three men,
2: one show, all the beef. Unicorns, show ponies, where's the beef? This is Morning
3: Juice with Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter, and Anthony Schlegel. Morning Juice, live every weekday morning right here on The fans, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Start your morning with us and hang out with us. We appreciate it. We're still doing the show from home haven't moved back into the studio yet, so we'll see when we do that, but I know I'll be excited to get into a studio with you guys whenever that happens, but we are doing the shows from home right now, and these are our fan studios, and they are sponsored by Lindsey Honda. Honda makes the cars, Lindsey makes the difference. You can visit LindseyHonda.com. So we got NFL training camps going on right now, on the lead-up to the season opener in just a few weeks' time, we're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs, they are going to play the Houston Texans on Thursday, September 10th, for the NFL Opener, I'm excited about it to actually see some football. And I know with you know us have not having any football this year in Columbus, it seems with the Big Ten canceling the season, it's going to be depressing. But at least we're going to have something as far as it goes for the National Football League. And I saw this yesterday. This was a tweet from Adam Schefter that said that the Kansas City Chiefs are planning to have actual spectators. In the stands, starting Thursday, September 10th, they're gonna have a 22% attendance there, which evens out to about 16,000 fans who are gonna be allowed in Kansas City for that first game. And I would imagine, Bob, like, that's gonna be a pretty big competitive advantage, even though it's only 16,000 fans. I mean, I know that's a low-level college, I mean, super high-level high Come school on. game, but still, I would, I, I would imagine, seriously though, like, You're talking about at least some fans being in the stands for you, compared to some of the states who aren't going to have any. At least some is better than none, and that's got to be a pretty big advantage.
4: Well, I think it's some is always better than none, usually. Uh, But I would say this, Beam. Do you ever play JV football? I know you're a great player. I did. I did play. I played JV
3: football. Yes, sir. I did. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. We had the prime time. Exactly.
4: Saturday mornings at nine (laughs) o'clock. So. you know how like Centerville? It's got a massive stadium, great history, decade of dominance. I mean, there's so many things to go back there. With, uh, you Oak know, pride, baby, You're exactly. Damn Coach right. Coach Ullery, and then um oh goodness, who was before that? Uh, Bob Greg. banquet, Coach Greg, exactly, and that's what. So it's AJ had been schooled on that many times. So I've been to the stadium. You know, it's it's a very nice Division One stadium in the state of Ohio. But here's the thing: when you roll up, it's really just. JV football, which I played my freshman years, it's a friends and family affair, mm-hmm. and so when you have five, like probably three hundred people in a stadium that might hold like five thousand, seems pretty paltry. <laughs> Sixteen thousand in a stadium that holds eighty is going to feel like a JV game. Like it is going to be an echo chamber. And last week we played in uh, like. Jersey scrimmages at Ohio State in the spring and fall, where you'd go over there and they'd battle. We had a point system, obviously, to see who could wear the red jerseys, whether it's offense or defense and family would come. Like it was, it wasn't an open practice, but it was open to family. And you'd get in there like, and you have 400, 500 people inside the shoe. I mean, it literally felt like there was like two people in there. It would echo around. There was nothing going on. And so, (laughs) I mean, you when they fan when you drive up like and the other thing is too how they gonna handle tailgating because uh, yeah. like the crew they announced no fans in the game and then they also said the parking lots are gonna be closed because you know what it's like hey might as well go there have some drinks outside I sure. know I can't get in which you know that's not all a lot different than some Ohio State games big ones people go down there. You go down for the party. We're an event-based economy. People are looking for. Sometimes a Sometimes people
3: don't even watch the game. Exactly.
4: Bob. They're just going down. I need a reason to have a beer in my hand at nine o'clock in the morning and be <laughs> eating just unhealthy food. But I justify it as saying, "Hey, I'm at a tailgate. I'm having an awesome time," and so no one questions it. Like social norming is out the window when it talks about this stuff. So, hey, Kansas City Chiefs, I get sixteen thousand people in there. I don't know what they're going to do with tailgating, like. Are you going to tell people they can't hang out outside their cars so you're just going to force them to like have a little car party inside. Well, and That's there.
3: Arrowhead too, I mean, is one of the kings of the yes. tailgate lot because yes. it's literally a stadium in the middle of nowhere with a giant parking lot around it. So a lot of that goes into it, Bob, is a big thing in what they do. I mean, you think of like tailgating in NFL lots, right? You think of Dallas and their stadium and what they have because it's nothing but parking lots. You think of Lambo, and mm-hmm. then you think, really, of uh, Cleveland comes to mind and then Arrowhead's got to be number oh, one yeah. For yeah. that so how are you going to control that
4: exactly well you just tell people they can't be out of their cars i mean you look at the bills mafia i mean you want to talk about some <laughs> great table dives like diving into fires i don't even know some of the craziness that you see out there so that's the stuff you see in some of these awesome middle american markets where you have tons of space and the people like this is their this is their super bowl and now that everybody's been cooped up you're going to tell me that i can go there and hang out with like a group of people that we all have a vested interest that I may or may not know, but it doesn't matter because they're willing to crack a beer with me at nine o'clock and talk about winning a Super Bowl and how we have Pat Mahomes for the next decade and we're going to win like 30 more. Like this is going to be the greatest thing ever, Schlegs.
1: You no, know, it's going to be awesome. And you know, the other thing, it's not crazy because I'm happy somebody's actually, you know, dropping their sack and attacking and saying, you know, we're going to bring fans in. You know, what I mean, be the first mover and they're already doing the whole tailgating thing at drive-in movie, movies and in concerts, right? Like you can drive in and, and set up your little tailgate and you stay in that confined area. So they're already kind of doing those things. The thing automatically when I read this, and and Bob, your point is spot on about like freshman JV varsity games at a really small school where they have little attendance, they're going to be able to hear their dads or the fans yes. from the stands, right? <laughs> can you imagine? Like my dad, I remember oh, 100% he would always whistle. Yeah, am I, am I am I too loud? He would always whistle, and uh and I knew that if if he uh I'm I'm just messing with this. If he whistled, like I've <laughs> been on the fly
4: up. mic checks. Yeah, no it's doubt, right. no doubt. No, no.
1: Check one, two, one, two. Yeah, I got I'm no snare in my headphones. Is
4: that, what are you talking about, Schlosser? I
1: don't know this this Comrex thing. Anyways, that back to my story. Comrex. My dad oh, my would always whistle, and if he whistled, like I remember one one time, a kid slid into my cleat and bent my entire toenail backward, right, and then. And I kinda limped off and he whistled at me cause I couldn't limp off the, off the deal and then he came over and he like, Get, take your shoe off and I took my shoe off and he had a pair, I don't know how he had a pair of, you know, toenail clippers, cut my entire toenail off, wrapped it up and I went out there and played the rest of the game. Ugh. I'm like, but that's what you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear, hey Travis you missed that block, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey Deshaun, that guy was wide open over here. Why don't you hit him on the post? Why'd you dump it off? Like they're gonna be hearing all this stuff from the fans. Like that's gonna be awesome. Plus, they get to hear the sideline. The guys are gonna be talking trash to each other. It'd be great.
4: Oh, you'll get to hear coaches yelling at players, which is really. Oh, that's, that's even
1: better. Mike, they don't have to mic them up. They'll just have no. the little thing coming down from the the thing that's going across the top of the field. They'll be able to catch everything. Would you guys,
3: would you guys pay a premium to hear NFL players mic'd up during games? And listen, I know that you guys obviously played in the league and you know what's being said, but from a fan perspective, would that be something you would be interested in if the NFL laid out a package, Bob, that said like, all right, you know, an extra hundred dollars or whatever to your Sunday ticket where you're, we're going to mic five or six players up and you are going to get just unadulterated microphone commentary. Would that be something that you would pay for?
4: Oh, 100%. That's one of the reasons I love the XFL is they were doing that. Cause you're mm-hmm. and not even just the players, my, you know, mic up the coaches too. I like, can, so you can hear them and be like, Hey. Don't they tell the court like don't forget to tell this guy to motion or, or make sure he gets in his right spot like because they have all this stuff here because some of the guys I mean they're not they're not building rockets they're not operating on brains and so the coach will tell the quarterback or one of the guys hey make sure such and such is in the right spot or make sure they do that like you'll begin to hear those things in sarcastic tone and listen to the coach yell at some of these guys like it would be unreal like it would be one of the greatest things for viewership that you could po- possibly have. And because it, it would draw people in and you'd be able to hear so there wouldn't be any crowd noise. Like that would be something and even having played, I don't miss getting yelled at individually, but I miss <laughs> hearing the stuff the coach would say or or different things or, or that they would say about other players or players on the other team or the other coach. Like it, that's the stuff that's awesome.
1: And I remember when uh after I graduated, you know, and doing seven years of college and only walked away with a undergraduate and two minors. Um <laughs> I remember going to the, uh, the spring game. A lot of people go to
4: college for seven years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Doctors, right? (laughs) Um, I remember going back (laughs) to the spring game and, uh, and on the headset, right? And just listening to the coaches, you know, talk and, and James was now the middle linebacker. And, and I'm just listening because I was, you know, we were there. We were training for the combine, getting ready for the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And I just remember listening to all the things that they were saying on the headset about the dudes. Mm. And I, (laughs) I just asked, I was like, Did you guys say this stuff about me? They're like, Oh, way worse. I was (laughs) like, come on, man. Oh, no. They just motioned
4: out. Schlag's going to be on the tight end one on one. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Just hold on tight. Hopefully they don't see him. Hopefully
3: it's fine. Here comes a touchdown from the tight end spot. Let's play or let's pray for Schlag's. All right. Speaking of linebackers, Brown's linebacker, Mac Wilson. He tried to rip his own teammates head off yesterday in practice. Details next. It's morning juice right here on the fan
2: we do to appreciate a hearty
3: breakfast
2: what's better than this guys being dudes now back to morning juice
3: on the van. back here on morning juice brandon bean bobby carpenter anthony schlegel if you would like to follow along with the nonsense on twitter you can do that at morning juice 971 is where we live i was just thinking back on the last segment i think it would be an incredible development by the NFL if they were to do that, right? I mean, if you mic up five or six guys, I can't tell you how, I, like, I have no clue how much money they're losing this year's with, you know, their gate prices and everything and concessions and only being 22% full for Arrowhead Stadium. That would be a quick way to get money back. I feel like if you were able to do that, if the players were, were up for it, actually wearing mics and if the NFL could sell that, I would imagine more people than not Schlegs would be interested in having that.
1: Yeah, honestly, um, completely agree with you. I mean, just think about, I mean, we just got off of summer baseball, right? Think about how many times parents coach their kids while they're playing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, accelerate through the catcher. You know what I mean? Hey, get your hands up,
4: right? <laughs> accelerate through the catcher. These are
1: cues, right? These are cues like, hey, man, grid tempo, keep. Get your tempo going. You know, work on this, work on that. Like, can you just imagine if like the coaches are mic'd up, they're basically coaching the players and they're in the box, right? And so they're coaching the coach through the mic to talk to the other, to the, to the player. And if we get to hear all this and then when they mess up, just like you turn to your wife, you're like, I can't, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a bad thing. It's just we want them to succeed so much, but we all have had that banter with our significant other when we're watching our kids play sports, right? Whether it's synchronized swimming or, or baseball or football or about, it doesn't matter. We all have those conversations, but to listen to the coach's perspective and oh. then say, Hey man, what a slap, right? Like that, that was poor effort. Get that guy <laughs> off the field. And right? they, that's what just... it's all about, man. And they get that reality. Cause that's what, I mean, what we're doing right now on the radio, we're just, ha- it's just three dudes talking shop, having fun, right? Like, that's what we do, but that's, that's ball, right? And we remember those memories. And, and I think it'd be great insight for all the fans listening. It'd be really engaging as opposed to listening to some of the commentators that we've seen that are doing Zooms, not even in the stadiums, doing commentary on, on teams. Let's just let the coaches do it. Well, and
4: what's great about that
1: too is, I mean, because here's
4: the thing, like sometimes the coaches, they would throw out a call. And I remember you come to the side of the timeout, you're talking, players are lobbying for this, they're lobbying for that. And they're like, the coach will literally make, he's like, all right, well, we're going to run this. We've messed it up five times this week. Do you think we can get it right now? Like, this is for the game. And so you're like, all right, like, we got it, Coach. We got it. Like, everybody's, yeah. And if they do this, make sure we do this. Like, make the adjustment. You're like, all right. And so I can only imagine, once you leave or once the call is in, what the coach, like, looks to one of the other coaches and says, like, Wait till we screw this one up. Like or such and such we know he has no idea what to do. Well some of the stuff
3: is so creative too, Bob. Like I can remember some of the coaches saying stuff to me and my teammates. Like one, I had a problem, right? Where we would shoot out of these things. I played offensive line, it's to keep your heads low, like right, you'd be in the the shoots. My coach literally yelled at me and he was like I, why are you falling down? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm losing my balance. He's like, are you flight afraid of alligators? And I'm like, sure, I guess. And he was like, well, pretend the floor is littered with alligators and don't fall. I'm like, that's not going to help me. Like, Some of the stuff that people come up You're with on the fly them. is some of the funniest stuff you'll ever hear in your life.
1: Oh, you man. I, I'm just, I just got this unbelievable visual right now of you, Beam, because your face <laughs> probably looked the exact same. Right when you're at that age, and I could just hear a coach saying that you're like, look at him, like what? What? You know like, what I mean? are you talking not about? You?
3: Do you like, have uh, gut alcohol syndrome? Or are you drunk right now at 6:30 <laughs> in the morning? I have no clue what if you're, you're talking about. Exactly. One of my favorite, but, of my yeah. favorite things that
4: coach is saying. This is really like transcends sports because every parent like, hey, you got to bend your knees. Like you want knee benders. Oh, bend, bend your knee knees benders. and
1: hydrate your face off. Yeah, love
4: well, hydrate your face off. You want knee benders. And so like one of our coaches always beg, you want to be lower than whale, whale crap. Maybe not always using the term crap like why They're like it's the lowest stuff on earth tell me something lower. Like, fair enough and then one of my other coaches would be like you're too high he's like you're gonna be Jimi hendrix like what does that do he's like "Jimi hendrix got too high what happened to him i'm like okay well there we go coach i'm glad we, re- we really explored like the full spectrum of what happens and where we want to be and where we don't want to be on the football field
3: somewhere in between Jimi Hendrix and whale crap that's where you need to live Bob (laughs) that's exactly what you need to do so the first pads first pads came on in the NFL yesterday and Nick Chubb walked off the field in Berea yesterday with uh, he's being evaluated for a concussion and the hit came by linebacker Mac Wilson and carp I mean I'm sure that you can attest to this right you guys are in you know your your shells and you're doing stuff and you're walk through and in your helmets but as soon as those pads come on it's a whole different animal so I was reading a a little bit of a write-up. It so the incident occurred midway through the rain-soaked practice when Chubb caught a pass in the left flat from Baker Mayfield and started up the sideline, and Wilson closed in and hit Chubb high in the neck and shoulder area. Both players went to the ground. Tackling to the ground wasn't a part of the protocol in the first day in pads, and Wilson was swiftly reprimanded by new coach Kevin Stefanski. I guess he had Joku out there, a bunch of linemen come. There were some pushing and shoving, but I'm sure that you guys can attest to this. The first day in pads even though you're not technically supposed to be hitting there's a lot of juice flowing around on a practice field
4: there is and you've got a young guy in mac wilson you know playing linebacker he's trying to earn his spot you know Schobert's gone, like, they're trying to, to develop an identity on a young defense, especially at the linebacker level. It's a very young position group. And so you're going out there hitting a guy who's a Pro Bowl player, potentially an all-pro this year, Nick Chubb. And like, it's the fine line of getting ready, and you have to see the hit, too. Like, was it a cheap shot? Did you hit him when he wasn't looking? Was he squared up at you? And the other piece is, too, Nick Chubb got knocked down, probably got hit in the head, because he, he wasn't expecting to get hit, because that's not what the tempo of the drill is. So you have to make sure you outline it for everything and everybody and what exactly we're doing and you know in practice with your teammates and understanding that we want to be competitive we want to make each other better but we're going to be a lot better with nick chubb on the roster and active every week than if one of you guys hits him and gives him a concussion and he can't play him my dad played for the the late great bum phillips and he used to hammer the sin dust at practice all the time and Wade, his, his son, coached me in Dallas, and my dad said, Bum used to read off the entire schedule to start the tra- training camp. And he coached for the Houston Oilers. like, nowhere on there does it say the Houston Oilers play the Houston Oilers. <laughs> he's like, so let's try to keep all our guys upright and healthy, all right, man? And he's like, so that was like their send-off. And then you juxtapose that with when I'm in college and we're doing individual drills to get warmed up. AJ and I would always pair up and then we would make Schlegs go with like James or Marcus Freeman, one of the young dudes, because AJ and I would practice hard against each other, but Schlegs would always want to headbutt the heck out of everyone and, <laughs> and that's that's be, like, that's massive a, a short from. Oh, yeah. And the, Marcus used to get so mad. And then he started pawning him off on James. And he's like, why are you guys making me go with Schlags every day? Because Captain Rock Skull over there used to just try to smoke him and make him full concussed before the start of practice.
1: Yeah, man. All gas, no brakes. I want to work on my craft. Like, listen, when you got Transaurus Rex arms, you got to strike with your face first, right, to create separation so I can lock you out and get off. Just make sure you bow thing. your neck. Yeah, well I mean I mean and that's the other thing too. Like I remember looking back at some photos back in the day uh in the late nineties when I played, like my shoulder pads were enormous and I it was like who could have the largest neck roll of all time? You know what I mean? Like that's what you wanted. But back to back to Mac Wilson, first off he's number fifty one. So this is the type of temperament that I expect out of somebody rocking fifty one. And Dick Buckus, two, we don't – see, I like that Bobby chose to go with Nick Chubb, but we don't also know what happened prior to this, right? Did Nick Chubb come through the line and Mac Wilson gave him a tap off and then got his face melted off because, like, Fick would have said, why didn't you hit that guy? Like, you know, the offense had this – oh, yeah, great run. Yeah, that would have been a touchdown. That would have been 10 yards first down. Like, no, I would have made the play in the backfield. Like, what are we talking about? You know what? Next time, I'm going to smoke him. And then guess what? He runs this one. Got smoked. But again, you go back to the training. Is his cylinder strong enough right now? Did he hydrate his face off? And he's only in concussion protocols. So probably he didn't have a concussion. He'll be back. Akuna Matata. Go Browns.
3: (laughs) Boom. Go Browns. The unfortunate part of training camp reared its ugly head yesterday across most camps in the NFL. We'll give you details on that next it's morning juice right here on the fan.
2: Rising, grinding, and hitting the fairway by nine thirty. Hang on, did Bieber write this? Now back to morning juice on the fan.
3: Morning juice here on a Tuesday morning. You can join us every single weekday, six a.m. to nine a.m. Brandon Beam, Bobby Carpenter, and Anthony Schleichel hanging out with you every single morning right here. On 97.1, the fan. And we were just talking about NFL training camps getting going. You got Nick, Nick Chubb, who is in concussion protocol now, and he's being evaluated for that, and all this different stuff happening. You had AJ Green yesterday, who was pulled out of practice early for precautionary reasons with his hamstring. And so, this is a nasty part of training camp, Bob, especially in a year unlike we've seen, right? You have no OTAs, you don't have all these different off-season activities that you're doing were in the year of 2020, COVID year, and you're trying to keep your body as healthy as possible. But, I mean, you got injuries racking up all over training camp. And I saw this from yesterday. It's pretty unfortunate that Gerald McCoy, he's going to be out for his entire season. He ruptured his quad, Cowboys defensive tackle. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is going to be a training camp, Bob, across all 32 teams in the NFL that is going to be heavily impacted by injuries, just the way that the off season was kind of assembled. No, and that's,
4: you hit on that beam and the ability, and shrugs will be able to touch on this here, is the ability to, to ooze back in and how much did these guys do on their own? Like, I loved being on my own because I was going to train the same way on my own as I did with the team. And I could do it at my house or I could do it you know, in whatever city I wanted to. And so you've seen some of these soft tissue injuries creep up and, you know, Gerald McCoy blowing a quad tendon. I mean, that's, that's tough stuff. But then as we touched on earlier with the Nick Chubb situation, like that's why, you know, part of it is too, knowing how to practice with your teammates and don't putting, don't put them in bad situations where something bad could happen. So this is one of the unfortunate things. You got a big time signing there for the Dallas Cowboys that looked like it was going to be, a, you know, a big piece of one of their elite of, of an elite team on a really solid defensive line. Um, and then you see this happen. And so it's it's really sad. But Schlegs, you know, talk about, like, the ability of what it takes to kind of get these guys ready to play and then why that time is always necessary.
1: Yeah, I mean, for, for a strength conditioning coach, right? So you look at this offseason – Bob, Bobby is, is an anomaly, right? Joey Galloway anomaly. Like they, they can work out on their own. They can push themselves. I myself, like I knew my deficiencies, which was running. So I like training with Bob because he wants to go run 32-110s. I hate that, but at least I have company when I go do it. And then you look at kind of, you know, then you look at kind of like this year, right? A great example is you got a guy like Nate Ebner who's with the Giants. You got Corey Lindsley who's with the Packers. You got John Simon. They're all working out on their own, but they're working out together, but they also are, are vets, and they know exactly kind of what their body needs, right? And then the problem is you get other guys that don't, and they're always trying to search for the latest and greatest. And now I'm putting my professional career in the hands of people that are kind of this glorified Instagram guru, and they don't know your weaknesses. Just like at Ohio State, we had power plates. We could tell if a kid was, was off from his right leg to his left leg. Right or his explosive power or different things that he needed to work on, and we can then prescribe different protocols to to adhere to those weaknesses in his body. And also, we had the things to allow them to recover: float tanks, no- Novathor bed, Normatec boots, like all these other things to help them recover. Well, when you're on your own, that also requires a lot of discipline. And the guys that I mentioned, very disciplined pros that understood their craft and understood their bodies. That is not the majority of the makeup of those that play in the NFL. Though, just think about, like now, when you leave the NFL and go work out, you still like to be told what to do. And when you've taken that away from guys, even though strength coaches are sending them out the blueprints of what they should do. They still have to be oozed in to it because mm. you're Ooze. only going to be able to go as, as hard as you possibly can by your weakest link, right? Yeah. And go ahead, Bob. Well, and I mean, Beam. I know you've played golf
4: with my our friend Anthony Rothman. You know, Rothman's got a bad back. He's got bad knee, bad shoulder. I've, taught, I've prescribed the guy's him these a grinder, workouts though. He is a grinder, but I prescribed to him these things he can do to make it better on a daily basis and then some warm-ups and activities to do beforehand. Does he do it? No. Does he complain about his back hurting later? (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, I'm done. I tell my kids this. My wife, I'm done with the complaining. If you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, you're not allowed to complain anymore. I know that things hurt. I know that this stinks. But if you do the stuff you're supposed to do, you'll be fine. But nobody wants to do it. I'm like, dude, it's 20 minutes a day. Like, I'm like, don't tell me your back hurts when you don't want to do this stuff or when you don't stretch beforehand and now you can't walk. Like, do what you're supposed to do, but most of these guys don't want to do it, and most people don't want to do it, except for these guys. The difference between them and normal humans is they're getting compensated really, really well to be able to do something that they're really good at, but you got to take care of your body to make sure it'll eventually take care of you.
3: Yeah, and it's a big thing, right, as we're, are, as we're discovering, as you're heading into a new NFL season, as we're going to get some college football. Like, it's going to be different this year, so did you put in the work to be able to to make it through a full you know, season of NFL caliber football. So I'm sure it's not going to be the last big injury we see. We know this is a part of the process every single year where you're going to have guys of importance go down. So it'll be fascinating to watch. you got more camps going on in the NFL today, full pads. I would imagine tomorrow is when really the pads are going to start cracking and full hitting is going to go on. So it'll be fascinating to watch, boys, but I'm excited to do it again tomorrow at 6 a.m. What do you say we do that? Are they brought us back? I think they did. I think they did bring us back for a little Wednesday show. Let's do that, man.
1: Every time I go out, you know I got a show out. Juicy J.
3: Absolutely. In the words of one Anthony Schlegel, Hakuna Matata, poof, go Browns. So we got a big day ahead for you. My Uncle Bo and James will lead you right until noon. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. It's morning juice right here on The Fan.